0: Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank
1: Jack. Your son seems to be interested in only one thing. All he talks about, all he seems capable of thinking about, is podcasting.
2: (laughs) Hi. Hi, I'm. Good Gr- job. Was that the one? No. Okay. All right. Fascinating. She didn't
1: blow up my spot. Emily was taking bets on which uh, <laughs> line I was going to uh, destroy for Probably. the introduction of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Uh, this is Blank Check with Griffin and David, and this is a mini series we are doing called the Pachowski Casters. Y- good. Yeah. Oh, it's you still trip over it? I trip I over. I trip it too.
2: over. Pachowski, Pachowski <laughs> casters. Pachowski casters.
3: <laughs> yeah. Why not just the Podcastsies?
2: This was a serious, heavy debate. Like, Where, it's,
3: it's actually a heavy yeah. subject. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there
2: was a lot of just debate over whether we could be just the Podchowskis, which is now how the Wachowskis brand themselves. Right. But the casting has always been in our, in our <laughs> miniseries titles. The People gotta know that we're
1: casting. We're not just potters, we're casters, you know?
2: <laughs> and this was brought up to us uh, by my friend Alex Chris, mm-hmm. and uh, who you've met, in fact.
1: And, uh, and so we are the Podchowski casters. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about uh, <clears throat> filmmakers. We go over filmographies. We do mini series devoted to directors and go through their career. And what we're fascinated is when someone has like a massive success early on and gets these sort of blank check opportunities to do crazy stuff. This is definitely we've hit the ultimate blank check in their career. I would say. Yes, we're talking you would about the Wachowskis. Say. We're
2: talking about the Wachowskis. This is their big blank check, and then yet the next one, maybe even more so. So I don't know. And then the next one, maybe even more
1: so. Yeah, so, but you'd think this is it. You'd think this is the apex. They make Bound, solid, solid debut. Sure. They make The Matrix. The entire world changes. <laughs> sure. Then they have total carte blanche to make two Matrix sequels that people don't like at the time, mm-hmm. and then they don't make a film for five years. Yeah. And they return with this. Although they do, do, like, make V for Vendetta. Yeah. That's very much,
3: I think of that as being a Wachowskis film, even though they didn't direct. Like, I mean, it's just got them all over it. They kind
1: of shadow direct it. Yeah. 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 We have have two guests. I should introduce them quickly. Because one of our guests is only here for a limited period of time. Yes. Uh, Both of our guests, uh, like. Friends of the show. Friends of the show. Past guests. Returning guests. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, you know, deep thinkers on this film. Speed both Racer, months out, tapped this. Yeah, we're like, hey, if you're talking about this, they did a little tapping. <laughs> Had combos with
2: us when we were still in like George Lucas land.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, because we were like floating out the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, from The Verge.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you may know her better from the podcast Awakens. Yes, or the podcast Real Awakens.
3: That's my most fa- famous podcast I've ever been on. Yes. Yeah,
1: that's your top credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Emily Yoshida. Emily Yoshida. Hello.
3: Thank you for having me back.
1: We're very excited to have you back. Is here. And uh, it's weird when there's four people. Uh, from, from The Chris Gathard Show. Yeah. Director, showrunner. Uh, you may also know him from uh, Attack of the Podcast. Episode, I don't six know, or six, or seven some, six or something? Digital filmmaking? Yeah. Uh, J.D. Amato is here.
4: Hey, guys. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for being here, J.D.
1: A fan favorite episode, that one. A couple people have told me. They oh, love that's that great. Yeah. That's because
4: that I still I still own that movie on my iPhone. and Because of because of our <laughs> podcast? Yeah, because of your podcast. You'll own it forever. Because that was the only way to get a copy of it. Yeah. yeah. I had to buy it, and now I have it.
3: Did you watch it on your phone, or did you Apple no, TV? No, I Apple? watched
4: it on my but then now it's just beamed yeah. over to my phone, so every now and then I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I, I'll watch I'm gonna." A few
3: seconds of it, just <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: I'm gonna watch like the like uh, Japanese serving spoon scene of the clone people.
0: <laughs>
2: oh my god! <laughs> oh, you mean with their chairs are Japanese yeah. serving spoons? Yeah, yes, exactly. Right, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, but we're not here to talk about Japanese serving spoons.
1: No, we're t- here to talk about speed motherfucking racer, mm. uh, the fifth film. You, yeah, yeah, From the, the Wachowskis? fifth Wachowski's directed
3: and written.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah, they're direct follow-up. So yeah, they and like, produced. Yeah, they produced. they sort of oversaw V for Vendetta. And then they also, I believe, when Oliver Hirschberger, or whatever his name was, was fired off of the invasion. Oh, did they do some shadow directing I on the invasion? I believe they did a lot of shadow directing on that. Oh,
3: yeah. No, that's true.
1: Yeah, I that
2: didn't know true. that. That's yeah. why some rando tweeted at me about the invasion.
1: Yeah, yeah we're not going to fucking it's cover no, that. It's...
4: This was all four Wachowski hands on deck, in the thick of it, yeah. making right. a Wachowski film. Yeah,
0: this is right. the this shooting of Vision. Yes, yes. yes,
4: right,
2: right. They're finally, like, yeah, uncom- they're blank checking it. And it,
4: yes. and this was, I think this is the first, This you mentioned that they had several blank checks in a row, theoretically. Yeah. This was the first one that, quote unquote, bounced, I would say, <laughs> where they were like, this is where film is going to be. This is what's going to happen. Here it is. And the world was like, we're not ready for this.
3: But and it made yeah. back a, quite a bit of its budget. Not yeah. all of it, that's, but it was a huge budget. Huge. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a big
2: budget. And, and there were big It, it did basically make it back worldwide, yeah. which is not great, but, you know, yeah.
1: No, they also But, I mean, I think J.D. is right that no one was quite ready, right? Well, you just have to think, to put this in context for a little, going into this movie, they made four films. Three of those movies were The Matrix, right? right, right yeah. yeah, but two of them were Matrix movies that nobody liked. It's Ag- true. Agreed, but you still look at the bigger picture and it's like, okay, so, like, three out of four times at bat, these these folks had like a huge cultural impact.
4: And this was before I think people got Sequelitis, where it was just like if you made three bad movies, you could be like, Oh, these aren't good, where the idea of, of sequels being these amazing things in their own right wasn't as normal as it is now. Yes. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now you're like, no, the third, fourth, fifth movie in a series should be amazing. In fact, then you're like, <laughs> Ah, it's sequels, you know? And, right. right. Sequels They're are crafty. gonna get worse. Right. Yeah. Right.
3: Uh, in a way, I feel like this is the first film though to actually like pick up. Fans who maybe dropped off for uh, Reloaded uh, mm. because they were, you know, it's like, OK, I, I liked what they did with Matrix. I was into that. Uh, Wasn't so into the second or third movies, but here they're going to do a whole different thing. Right. So, yeah. But
2: that was all more Matrix. So, yeah, I want to see them. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. And like, their M.O. for ev-
4: almost every Matrix film was we're going to do something in cinema that has not been done before, right. and you guys are going to rip this off, rest of his cinema, yeah. for the next 10, 15 years, but we're going to do it first. We're going to invent this stuff. And so when Speed Rush was coming out, I remember thinking, what's the new thing? Right. What are they going to do? What
1: they do? i on mic again as a throwback, because uh, I forgot to eat breakfast. Um, the other aspect you have to think about here is like- are you eating dry Cheerios? Yeah. Emily was talking about how this one had like a crazy, tortured development cycle because uh, you know Speed Racer was big in the seventies, mm-hmm. then started re airing in the nineties, and it became this sort of Gen X thing that was like hitting two generations at once because seventies kids who would grown up with it were now watching it again, and there suddenly was like a lot of merchandising and everything, and then also a new generation of kids were watching it, and Warner Brothers was like, "Oh, we should buy the rights to this thing, and try to make a movie out of it." Like,
3: I, I want to bring up one one indicator. I, I, I texted this to David this mm-hmm. morning. Uh, there was a 1996 Volkswagen GTI commercial. It's weird. It's so good. That's no. a
1: live-action speed race. No, it's no? a
3: speed race. It's a little short. It's a speed racer. Oh, I short. remember this. And it's uh, it's like the Mach Five gets gets uh hijacked or something, yeah. and then uh, so he drives a GTI instead. And I remember that that commercial to me now looks like okay, Volkswagens were cool and like hipster as shit, and also Speed Racer was just like hot. I, in like 96
4: did you guys grow up watching Speed Racer at all
3: it was in the air yes yeah
1: casually I wasn't a, a, like a huge fan but
4: I definitely watched it I loved Speed Racer growing up yeah, I loved did it. not watch Speed Racer where were
3: you guys watching it on it was like a Saturday morning thing. Yeah. I don't know it was like Nickelodeon it kind of just passed me by yeah.
2: I mean I knew of it but I remember even at the time in like the 2000s when it was always like ooh Speed Racer movie Like, and I was yeah. like Who's who's into a speed racer movie? Like why are they putting
1: so much effort into making well, this thing? At the time Warner Brothers bought the rights, it was definitely like
3: 92 I think is when they re re they did the yeah. reboot of the series and then I think they that they started showing that one cuz the, the original 60s or 70s series uh that they, they had that and then there was like another 90s reboot like
1: right. Um, and I think both were playing sort of simultaneously. Yeah. I feel like they had sure. a 90s reboot and someone all else started airing the originals. Well
4: that that's also when cable became sort of more more right. ubiquitous and I, like, yes. got the cartoon network right. and, these right. and right. so there was a lot of kids channels that needed programming so right. that's why a lot of 70s shows got relicensed cuz yeah. they're cheap and it was like well we need it's to like, fill time for right. the first time. and part. real <laughs> like
3: sea level kid shows from like the 70s like yeah. Richie Rich like i remember yeah. watching totally. that for some reason yeah. uh. i
2: would i would watch like Johnny Quest like and yes. all these like Centurions all these like totally random right like, like this yeah.
4: like the garbage
2: a, that they kind of collected
4: and then actual stuff. space ghost not the like comedy version actual space ghost and
2: actual birdman and all the the old stuff like that. Yeah. I,
1: I do think that's a weird thing. Where I mean, even with Netflix and like a greater sort of accessibility to all these old cartoons, I do feel like, um, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like kids today don't have the same sense of older cartoons. Like my, my sister's like uh, nine years younger than me, right? And when the Yogi Bear movie came out, she was like, "What the fuck is Yogi Bear?" <laughs> and I was like, "He's like a bear, and he steals Good picnic things come baskets." In bears. And she's like, that's the entire premise of the show? (laughs) And I was like, you know, when we were, like, you know, uh, children and, like, the Flintstones movie came out, we were fully versed in Flintstones. We were watching the Flintstones all the time, and that show was 40 years old at that point. Well,
3: you get so much more stuff by osmosis instead of, like, specifically seeking it out on demand. It's like, I don't want to watch Speed Racer or Flintstones. It just was on. on. It was
1: on. And I feel like this, you know, I mean, all the nostalgia things that are being made right now are, like, mid-90s at the earliest. Yeah, Because before that, if it's like a children's type property, it doesn't really have any value. Mm-hmm. Um, other than Alvin the Chipmunks, because apparently helium voices will always be funny. Um, is,
3: that, is the entire Chipmunks legacy, like not, not the films, but like what people know of the original cartoon, is it just the Christmas time is here song? I feel like that's the only thing that still...
1: Chipmunk Punk is their best album, I would say. <laughs> Cool. I <laughs> still know?
4: have memorized in my head. Do you remember how they have they have the commercials for the like albums? Yeah. Um, and like I don't know their full songs, but I remember it was like there was a moment where it's like another song such as Uptown Girl. <laughs> do you? Does she love me? Do she, and like that switch from Uptown right. Girl to.
2: Do you love Do you me? you love yeah. That's like ingrained in your it's brain. It's like stuck in my well, head. Th- when we were kids, we would watch old animated shows and we would watch countless ads for Soul compilation albums. Yes. Where like- Cool the, rock. Where, where yeah. the, the titles are all scrolling by yeah. and then the one in yellow is the one mm-hmm. that's playing. I mean, how many of those did I watch?
4: Now yeah. that's what I call music. <laughs> blue, ba ba da ba da And then yeah. that
2: like blue screen with yeah. all the credit card information that yeah. to me was just like, I was like, oh, this is a grown-up thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, now <laughs> like, it's for grown up. Yes. Right, like, this, this is where you
3: get your parents into the room. Yeah.
2: You School you will tell me what this means one day. Yeah, what like you free, you freeze in the headlights of
4: adulthood of like I can't do anything if I touch a phone or something could go wrong.
3: I remember doing fake radio shows when I was a kid and doing ads like that and and always like stopping making sure to specify no COD's which I didn't even know yeah. what that was, but Right
1: exactly. <laughs> there, there's a weird phenomenon that you're getting at though JD where it's like there are certain songs that I still think of as being combined with other songs. Like there was like a pure love songs compilation that the ad used to always play and they'd go like, why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near loving you? And like for me, that's one one. song that's like continuous, you know,
4: much like for me. Now, the Speed Racer theme is forever a dual Spanish, English, hip hop, techno fueled. (laughs) Oh, my God. Romp. And no longer can the original theme song ever play in my head without hearing them go, Go! Speed Racer, go! And then they go into Spanish, which I won't do because I don't know the actual <laughs> words, but just the syllables that they're saying.
3: They also, don't they have like a lot of little samples from the English language one running throughout, which is like a very 90s techno thing? Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like original Speed Racer, the dub, would have been sampled in like, like I don't know, what. <laughs> an, an uncle track or something like that it, it reminds <laughs> me of
4: like when they first made Mortal Kombat the movie and it was like yeah. the theme song had the like test your might <laughs> test your might and this was like go speed
1: racer go like okay so that's one of the really weird phenomenons to this movie th- that like um, Speed Racer, when it originally started airing in the 70s, was one of the first uh, Japanese cartoons to air in America. Yes. Mm-hmm. so it was, was like, a, it was kind of badly dubbed sort of like a It was right. jank as shit. Right. So yeah. that right. was like the, the dual aspects to sort of how, why it stuck in the craw culturally mm-hmm. is one, it was like this new introduction to this sort of different type of storytelling yeah. style, this different animation style that was very different than what we were used to you know, in Western animation, especially if you compare it to, like, Hanna-Barbera, I mean, yeah. it's very dense plotting, the way the action sequences were designed, the movements, all that sort of stuff, and then these shitty translations on top of it. Yeah. So much like, you know, the shitty Kung Fu movie translations became a thing for kids growing up. Right. It was like, why are the voices weird on Speed Racer? Why don't their mouths sync up? <laughs> right, the, you why, know, yeah. why isn't
4: there more than two frames of animation? Yeah. So it would be like right, a fade staring, from speed yeah. in the car to speed in the air. And yeah. Was,
1: like, and when Pops would get mad, he would just sort of like shift grumpy <laughs> positions without <laughs> yeah. like in-betweening. It was kind of
2: like early video games. To yeah, us too. Yeah. We, we were growing up on these like pixelated video games with yeah. low. Fr-
0: yeah.
3: But we should we'll get to this. But the pan is like the ultimate tool of low right. budget yes. anime. Yes, yes. The yes. pan is what makes yeah. you feel like you're watching something active, and that the pan is like a constant throughout this movie, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. I love it so much. Because
4: and what that
2: oh my god, this
1: just is to is expound so good. upon that, <laughs> I, I really love this. This movie. is gonna be a very academic episode because <laughs> we all love this movie and are trying to break down why other people don't like it. Instead of anime. those people are dumb.
4: What Emily described is instead of animating any of the any of these things, they would they would just draw what would be like imagine like a three foot wide painting of right. the scene. Or it's
3: like a comics panel, exactly, it's like a long yeah. comics panel. And there. then they would yeah.
4: animate the camera move, which you could automate across. And then they'd maybe switch out one or two things in it, and that meant they could get thirty seconds of animation out of one drawing.
1: Yeah, like just the mouth would move, yeah. but and I, it would feel cinematic. And yeah. I will say, so it's kind of like a
2: Garfield uh, cartoon. I, be- just, uh, <laughs> yes. carry
4: on. I believe that you can lay out all of speed rates of the movie into one singular image. I bet you could do it. I think. I think that right. you could yeah. do it.
3: You mean like the like this like every frame? Uh, like
4: I think it like the end composition, like the digital comp that you're looking at. I, it's arguably. I mean, they didn't do it this way, but like you could combine them all to be like one camera that just that moves just sort of from connected video to connected yeah,
1: video. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, it's like a collage. Um so yeah, I and mean it I-
2: announces itself with that opening like 20 minute sequence or whatever. Like like yes. this is what this movie yes. is going to yeah. be mm-hmm. like where it's like he's racing, but here's his backstory, and here's what's going on with his family, and here's what's going on like in in his childhood. Well, we have to and- get in depth with that opening cuz so- it's
1: it's brilliant. I I just want to say just to sort of set the stage quickly. So they like in the 90s, it sort of comes back, it's re airing, kids are getting into it. And I think it was sort of this like common touchstone for kids who had grown up with it. We're like, remember how weird Speed Racer was? Mm-hmm. The plotting was strange, the animation was so bizarre, the voices were over the top. It's being repurposed in like commercials and stuff. Warner Brothers buys the rights and for like 15 years is aggressively trying to make a movie and can never figure it out. Johnny Depp and Julian Temple almost do it. Then, like, Alfonso Cuaron and Michelle Gondry both, I think, almost made their like big American debuts on it. There were ideas to make it a more serious, gritty film. There were ideas to make it, like, a Brady Bunch-style parody. Um, then Vince sure. Vaughn bought the rights in the early 2000s. Yeah. Vince Vaughn, Vince Vaughn yeah, yes, And that's... he wanted to play Racer X, and he was like, he wanted to make it, like, very <laughs> character-based. Wait, was it- but serious?
3: Um... Wait, like
1: Henry Rollins. Was Henry Henry Rollins right. was
3: supposed to be Speed Racer at one no, point. No, it was
2: supposed to be Racer
3: X.
1: Oh, Racer yeah. X. Racer. I thought it was supposed to be. I Speed think X. in the Julian <laughs> Temple version, it was going to be Johnny Depp and and Henry Rollins were going to be the two leads. Of course. And so then, like you know, post Matrix, even though the movies weren't very well liked, they did make money for Warner Brothers. At least Reloaded. Oh, it, sure, yeah. And they sort of had Cachet do whatever they wanted because everyone's like, "What's the next Wachowski thing going right. to be?" And they team up with Joel Silver, and they were like, "We grew up on Speed Racer, we loved it." We'd like to make something that had broader appeal, you know, that isn't R-rated. Right. So if they go to Warner Brothers, they go, we want to make something that's more accessible than The Matrix. Warner Brothers is going to be like, yeah, you want to make something that's more successful than The Matrix? Do that. And they sort of left it into their own devices. And they made the weirdest creative choice they could have made, which was directly adapting the American translation yeah. of Speed Racer. It
3: is not an adaptation of the Japanese version at no. all. It is not Mock Go, 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 the movie. <laughs> right.
2: That's something I don't understand. Someone should probably just explain that to me. Wait, so what? there's their heat. What's the difference? What do I mean, like apart from the language, obviously. Well, I, like,
3: n- I no. I mean, just like the names and stuff, mm-hmm, and like right. Mach Go 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 is the Japanese word for five, so it's Mach Five, but it is a pun because it's like Go Go Go. Okay. And his name is Go Mifune.
2: Which means just like,
3: just like we love Shirou and we're going to name every <laughs> single character after him. Uh, and uh, I forget, yeah, they all have different names. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's Pop's racer. But
2: it's, I, you right. I think you're right. I think I looked that up and it's not. Yeah.
1: I think the energy of the show very much, um, the weird specific energy that the American version has comes out of how like large and stilted and out of sync the vocal performances are which I think the film very much replicates that energy. You know, mm-hmm. it's this weird tonal thing. Uh, and it's, it's very loud. JD has a limited amount of time, so I want to sort of like throw the soapbox over to you. Yeah,
4: you got 10 minutes, JD. <laughs> so here's, here's I want I want to set the stage for things a yeah. little bit. And because why I'm here is because I think whenever the Speed Racer comes up in conversation, I say a, a pretty outrageous statement, and then I have to describe my experience of watching Speed Racer. So I believe that Speed Racer is the most... Underrated, under-respected for its uh, additions to cinema film in the past. I want to say twenty years. I don't know. That's a rant. I'm trying to sure. think why I say twenty years because I would assume that twenty years ago there was some movie that was
2: 1996, baby. English Patient. Yeah, I don't <laughs> something wasn't. English Patient changed the changed game, the and game. Speed <laughs> Racer changed
4: it again. It, maybe it's maybe it's more than that. Maybe <laughs> yeah, it's but more than sh- that. I, I but get your My, my focus fades <laughs> off.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. My
4: focus fades out twenty years. Before, and I go, okay, there's probably something. Right. right. So, Speed Racer to me is a unique film. um If you watch it today, I think you might watch it and not be as impressed or as overwhelmed as I think people were when it first came out. And that's right. because I believe that Speed Racer set the tone of the hyper pop, overstimulation, um, like hyper pop culture aesthetic that we now live in and that mainstream has adapted. And I think it's it's become softened, but I think Speed Racer was like this explosion up top yeah. that then created all of these films, including films like Draft Day...
1: Yeah, that's your big point. Is that Draft Day has the exact same editing style of Speed Racer. Yeah, all those weird pens and it's true. And like the crazy, 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 like uh, triple double, like and, and Costner walks through frames mm-hmm. and transitions. But also, that movie's made for dads. Like right. that movie's made for an audience that doesn't want to be challenged
3: it's- and anime fans.
1: Yes, yeah, right. yes, yeah. Well, it's based off, of course, the classic uh, anime called Draft Go Go. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hey,
4: yeah, your, char- your character name was not nor- originally uh, no. Jake, yeah, it was the go, go go <laughs> football. Okay.
2: Yeah, go, go, go 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 intern. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go, go go coffee. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Intern Mafune.
1: Yeah, intern Mifune.
4: <laughs> but like I think you can look at like movies like Scott Pilgrim, sure. which then Absolutely. people are like, oh wow, this is such a new thing, and it's like no 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 no. Scott Pilgrim. All these films were in the wake of Speed Racer, right? Which but- came.
3: Scott Pilgrim also didn't do that well. Like people didn't quite get that one either. Right. Absolutely,
4: but I
2: think people were like, "Look at this, me doing well, new stuff, finding this this tech." Exactly. And to me,
4: it was like, "No, no, 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 no." Speed Racer got there first. JD
2: pops up. He's like, "No, no, no, no,
3: no, 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 no,
4: So let me describe my experience of watching Speed Racer. I was a Speed Racer fan. I growing up watching the-, the cartoon series, got super excited when this they- mm-hmm. I it- one of my dream things was like, I'd love to make a Speed Racer movie. And then when it was like what Chelsea's doing, I was like all right, they're gonna go for it. I respect this, let's see it. All the advertising, was all over the place. There,
2: this was a crazily heavily advertised mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, they also but clearly they had
1: no idea how to sell. They the didn't movie. know how to sell no, it because it,
4: no. there were trailers that were like for kids, and it was like
2: funny, goofy, yeah. family like, fun. There's a monkey. Go speed racer.
4: Like the music was really exactly. Prominent. Yeah. And then there were trailers that were like super intense. This is dark drama, and it was like the all over beat,
3: the house beat underneath it. <laughs> like... Exactly, <laughs>
1: but it was like dark drama <laughs> with still the same imagery, which made you watch the trailer and go, "What the fuck is yeah. this movie?" Well, and like I would yeah. focus a
2: lot on the action. There's a lot of cars like flipping over. And then use like and... Racer X dialogue, like,
1: no, he's gonna be the best. Yeah, like sure, the, sure. the lines that out of context it put into that sort of trailer made it look like does this movie think that it's the Matrix? Or does it think that it's like Rocky or something? It's or like a superhero
3: right. movie. Yeah, other yeah. yeah, superhero movie.
4: So then I go to see it. I go to see it at um Lincoln Center, which has mm-hmm. the IMAX screens. Yep. Like the, the you, for you real yeah, 2D, big point. 2D. This is this before 3D yeah. was like. Yeah, the year before
2: Avatar. That's my
3: favorite way to see a movie, by the way. IMAX IMAX 2D. 2D.
2: Absolutely. If you can, it's so hard to do these. Yeah, really hard. It's
3: very annoying. And real IMAX too. Yeah,
2: of course. Not Mm
4: LIMAX. So I'm in there in an audience. The theater is packed. I'm sitting right in the middle with a bunch of other film school people. We're all watching this film unfold, and as it goes, something starts happening that I have only seen at that time in a movie, and I have not seen since. As visuals unfold, the audience begins. Cheering and clapping and screaming as things happen, not because of their story or plot elements, but because of the the They've visual yeah. exposure is crazy. Yeah. And then there is a moment at the end of the fi- so the film goes, and like people are wrapped up in it, and the entire time everyone's looking around like, "This is crazy. What are we watching?" <laughs> yeah,
1: what I've heard JD tell the story like five times, and sure. I still get it's chills very, every time arresting. he tells it. Yeah,
0: and.
4: And it's growing, and the whole audience feels like, "What are we watching? Like, what is this thing? Because it doesn't stop. There's no edit. There's no breath. And when there is a breath, it's like you've been tricked into taking a breath. And suddenly mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh wait, it's slow now, but it's not. And then something <laughs> happens, and then the climax of the film happens—the final race, which is spe- very it's, emotional. It's oh, the, amazing, yeah, and I can't it's even. and it's the editing and all the stuff, and it's all this imagery, and they've built this foundation of like things coming in, and you being used to the fact that like someone's going to be talking, and a scene's going to be happening while action is happening It's like all these layers on top of each other. And in the final moment, um, Speed's car jumps over the, the finish line. And the finish line wraps around yeah. the screen. It's yeah. like and a forms... checkerboard kaleidoscope. Yes. And it thing. turns into like a tunnel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, And it's in super HD, so you can see every checker oh. and everything. And it's spinning. <laughs> the car's spinning one way and the checkerboard's spinning another way. And I've never seen this happen in a theater before. Since, like, before then. Right. And never again have I seen this happen. A 2D movie. This is not a 3D movie. The entire audience in unison screamed in terror and delight (laughs) and put their hands in front of their face to block their eyes from what was images and colors and lights and sounds that were so overwhelming and so just like it it was like seeing a new color that everyone screamed (laughs) and it happened and then everyone laughed and giggled and like clapped with each other of just like what just happened to our eyes and ears yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> they're
1: also all crying because Speed Racer wins the race. I know. Oh, yes. it's spoiler alert. the
3: most cathartic. It is yeah. like, it, I don't. I, I think it's hacky to talk about c- climaxes this way, but it is orgasm on top of orgasm the yeah. end of this movie. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. CJ. Oh my God. And it was, it was,
4: to me, I saw that and I said, the Wachowskis are the most talented, ahead of the curve. Their only fault is that they're ahead of where people are. Right,
2: they're always five years ahead or whatever. Exactly. Yeah,
4: yeah. And, while there are, I think there's so many flaws you can talk about at Speed Racer and so many places where the film is not strong or where, like, elements of the filmmaking process were not fully realized. Right. But as a whole, it is a film that is, like, like it's like it's like It's, like, ahead of its time from another planet. It's films from another planet, <laughs> and this is one of them. And I think people thought that it was just, like, a, like gone in 60 seconds some just like action movie with cars and stuff like this or, or like, that it
1: was like alvin and the chipmunks there's just right. some silly kids and it's part. like sure yeah
4: no this was this was the full force of wachowski's these people who were pushing filmmaking forward and they just happened to take this property at a time when also it wasn't totally as hip and understood no. that like, oh, it was yeah. like
1: maybe it's it's lowest point of it relevance was like 15 yeah. years out of date at this yeah. point exactly
4: yeah. From and, the
1: revival, like 15 right, years right, right. from the second wind. But yeah. even
4: even now, I think peop- rebooting uh, properties that aren't as popular is something that people are like, oh, cool, that's fine. Let's yeah. see what it is. And this was a point where that was not in vogue. And people yeah. are like, well, why the fuck? What's? The, why are you doing Speed Racer? And the question is still why Speed Racer? But what they did with it and the technology they put behind it and the imagery and all this stuff was so ahead of its time. And I do think completely impacted the superhero genre we see today of this like – Pop infused, super like sort of yeah, like the kind of living cartoon, saturated image, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort yeah. of mixed and like with reality, excess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like having this like super cartoony, fun, crazy, all this stuff happening, mixing it with like super melodrama at the same time that really hadn't been done in that way. And then movies like Guardians, all these things that come out now that like probably have found the middle ground a little bit more than that. But I think Speed Racer set the stage, and I think people need to respect that and go back and watch Speed Racer and see what it did and just like turn off the part of your brain that thinks that you knew what it was and just watch it
2: and let it wash over you well I want to see an IMAX 2D now yeah yeah Yeah. that's yeah. yeah, <laughs> a little round of applause J.D. well done yeah. it is noon so you might have to mic drop there Yeah. I mean, I, I mean you did it I'm I would
4: see. say I might be able to buy myself some more minutes but I, I'll have to step outside for a minute
1: these are a couple of things I'm going to say in response to what you just said one when you tell that story and you talk about the reaction the thing it reminds me of is when you hear about people seeing the Lumiere Brothers film of the train entering the station and they were like I don't understand is a train yeah, yeah. about to hit me? Yes. And I do think the I mean, there were very few critics who stood up for this movie when it came out. And I don't remember who it was, but whoever was writing for Time Out New York at the time made this plea that it was like, you know, all these other critics are looking at it and thinking the story's melodramatic or that the physics of the movie don't make sense or this or that. And they were like, the Wachowskis are working on such a pure level, actually redefining what cinema is, that this is getting back to the essence of like things moving. Like, the early camera test where it's about watching a horse run, you know?
3: Well, the end of that movie is also, like, 2001. I mean, it just Mm -hmm. becomes completely abstract color and emotion and, like, somebody just doing something that nobody else has ever done before and everybody's just, like, freaking out. Like, it keeps... Usually in that kind of thing, it would be distracting if you keep cutting back to like Susan Sarandon and Christina Ricci clapping, but you're like, ah, no, it's me, it's me. Like, <laughs> like, narratively,
1: exactly. this film is yeah. super abstract because it's like every scene is also about everything that's happening after and before that. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And there's also um, the other the other thing I was going to say, J.D., is like, um, you know, a lot of the idea of this. This series that we do, David. I need a cigarette right now. <laughs> I'm Just like
2: yeah. <laughs> it's very warm in
3: yeah, here. It's very
1: warm in here. Yeah. It's like, I got Whoa. worked up and I was <laughs> yeah, I now. know. <laughs> Holding onto the
2: walls. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> <Is> speakers <race laughs> are the
1: greatest film ever made. I, I mean, can, like, you know
3: what? I mean, watching
1: it this time, I,
3: I, I can I can think of a few things that make it not the greatest. Yes,
2: film yes, for no, me. yes. Absolutely. There are there are flaws. Like so, like okay. we should we should we I, can well, back Flaws are also kind of
1: what make it incredible. Well, that's kind of the Wachowski
2: experience. It's like you do have to kind of buy in. no matter
1: what. That's
4: fucking filmmaking. That's Cinema. The whole yes. idea is that you create this thing, these series of images, these these fr- like twenty-four images a second screaming by your face. Yeah. And in doing so, you can combine enough of them with enough things going on that at the end the audience watching it has this visceral reaction, this yeah. feeling they've never felt before. They can't really pin down. Right. And their their only reaction that they can think to have is just to like Scream and laugh <laughs> mm-hmm. and clap, and that's what that's what filmmaking should be. Is just like yeah. we're gonna throw these things together and see what it can make you feel. And Speed Racer did that, and I think people do not respect that and do not realize that it did that because they wrote it off, never watched it. Maybe they watched the first five minutes on fucking YouTube or something.
1: I, I had a listener of this podcast who I uh, uh, respect a lot. I won't call him out because I think he's gonna rewatch the movie, mm. but he was telling me that he tried to watch it, knowing that we were gonna do it, and was like, "I watched the first five minutes. I just like couldn't handle it." And I was like, you need to understand that like the first five minutes are are so overwhelming. The first 10 minutes of that film are so overwhelming because you've never seen a movie structured like this before where you're like watching one race, but also processing every moment of this kid's life simultaneous with the race. And I was like, it's overwhelming, but then it settles into itself. And also the language they establish in that opening scene sets up the final race that is so cathartic and such a path and they can only get to if you like understand this sort of vernacular they've set up, but oh, the thing I was going to say is I, I think our sort of like our mission statement to this podcast is we're interested when someone has massive success and then they sort of lose it, right? They can't figure out how to get back into the thing, and someone like Shyamalan or Lucas, yeah, they like never they're, they're Shyamalan's struggling. always
2: scrambling to like get the get the lightning back in the bottle or whatever,
1: right? Especially and, and you and I like all the Wachowski films. Yeah. Like, and I think what we were interested, what interested us in covering them was that it was a different angle of not like, why did they lose it, but why did the public stop following them? yeah. Because The Matrix, everyone loved, and then they sort of lost the audience, Mm -hmm. and we think these films are brilliant, but they didn't really connect, and I think there are two factors. One of them, you know, two major factors in this disconnect with The Wachowskis since, you know, Matrix, uh, the first Matrix, really. One is that they kept on looking six steps ahead of everyone else. So there's a speed you can move at. Because you even look at something like Avatar where people are like, this was a breakthrough, has never done before. 3D had been back for like four or five years but hadn't really worked yet. Zemeckis yeah. had been doing his shitty motion-captured That's movies. True. Like, been, people yeah. had a sense of the poor version of what Cameron was trying to do, and then he was like, here's the good version.
4: The Polar Express is the most underrated, <laughs> under <connotative. laughs> wouldn't that kill everything if that was yeah. like, uh, I was like, I'm gonna go to Bad Heart <laughs> for the Polar Express. The
1: Polar Express <laughs> from a fil- Mars Needs Moms. Yeah,
4: a film that lives in the Uncanny Valley. It's, <laughs> yeah. ma- it's made a home there.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, don't, I, 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 know I just I,
4: step out real quick. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna, sure. I'll try to come back and like, 15 minutes or so.
1: Okay.
3: I remember I tried to make the term polar expressive a thing for, like, <laughs> weird, really uncanny yeah. valley, expressionless m- monster people. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, I think there's this two-pronged thing. One of them is that, like, you know, uh, the Wachowskis were looking four steps ahead when the audience is maybe only ready to see one step ahead, right? Yeah. And I remember I saw this movie uh, with my sister Romley, so she must have been, uh, she was, like, 10 at the time. She was not a speed racer fan. She had no context for what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie, you know, flopped really hard. Was very quickly out of theaters domestically, yeah. at least. And I we went to what was literally the last showing in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it was like you know a uh, the Union Square Theater on like a Thursday at five o'clock, and it was the last theater playing it. And afterwards, she said, "What did you think?" And I was like, I think I liked it, but I also think we don't necessarily have the frame of reference to judge this movie because it's so many steps ahead of what other movies are doing right now that we might live in a world 10 years from now where all movies look like this to a degree. But I think the other element to why people have had a hard time connecting with their work, and this is where everything shifted with Speed Racer, is this movie is achingly sincere. Yeah. Absolutely, it's one hundred. There's no
2: irony whatsoever. It's
3: hundred percent about how capitalism is bad and how artists should be independent. Yeah, yeah. Emily
2: family <laughs> is good. Emily has a great read on this movie as a reaction to the Wachowski's I, I want to get to
3: that. The I right. get okay, to so th- I have a similar similarity. But, yeah. but I want to yeah, yeah, go yeah. back to two things, okay? Because yes. uh, I just think we
1: have to w- acknowledge the sincerity early on because it's a pre right, 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 We have to talk about everything. But
3: else, when, the thing about your sister going in without any context. You don't need context for it. No. It's fucking speed racer.
2: <laughs> it's a dumb cartoon. Right. I mean, it's silly. His literal last name is Racer. Yeah, yes. like, and
3: you his know, first know, name is like... Speed.
0: His first
3: <laughs> name is Speed. His dad's name is Pops. Yeah.
1: Like when he was a baby, yeah. his parents named him Pops. Yeah, I mean, that's because well, like... he did come out
2: a mini John Goodman with yeah. a mustache. Let's
1: be honest. You have to think that name is so crazy, so yeah. insane. That's like if in the real world. There was an actor who starred in car movies whose name was Vin Diesel. Could you
3: imagine how insane that would be? So the one thing is like, and that's I think to the film's credit, it realizes that like we do not need to treat Speed Racer as the sacred text. We can take the themes that Speed Racer was constantly dealing with, which is like, oh, is he going to sign with the big capitalist bad guys or is he going to stay loyal to his family? That is all that Speed Racer is about. They just take that and make it into a Wachowski's narrative of that, which like makes a lot of sense. So that's great. Uh, they don't try to overly mythologize it the way that we're really used to now as superhero movies.
1: You just have to take it as it is. Yeah. Yeah. But the other, the thing about
3: the visuals and the thing about them being ahead of the time that I think is like weirdly tragic, because I watched this, um, I watched this on my Roku, uh, sure. streamed from Amazon. i uh, And you know, internet speeds vary, and this does not stand up well to on-demand streaming. No, you would need to watch this on a Blu-ray or on like a actual projection of it. You cannot have buffering going on with this, Um, or
2: even just that thing where it kind of will pixelate or yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Because all of those backgrounds that are all completely digital and like fabulous and detailed, but you will lose all that, and it'll just look like a weird neon cloud.
1: Yeah, like clarity is sort of the big visual idea that one of the yeah, big visual yeah. ideas they had in this movie. And, um, you know, they talked a lot about like even the scenes that are shot on sets where there's very little, you know, sort of obvious digital effects, mm-hmm. like the stuff in the house. In the, house yeah. the big idea they had was A, shooting all on digital cameras, which was still pretty fresh at that time, and B, making this like insane depth of field so that all the images were very flat. Yeah. And a lot of the other shots, they do composite shots. So yeah. they like film the background in focus, they film the actors in focus, and they composite them together so it looked like a cartoon where it's yeah. just right. an image on top of an image. Right. Um,
3: Which is like another very, very literal translation of an anime aesthetic. Like yeah. a super flat. Like it's just that's the way that, like they made that work on film in a way that <laughs> nobody has ever done before or pulled off. I would also argue, and we were talking about this earlier, I don't think anybody else should ever attempt.
1: Yeah, I don't trust anyone else. No,
3: I don't. I I think it's. I think it. uh, I think it works both to the film's detriment and to its like success. I mean, it looks like unlike anything else, which is why I think it's special. But
1: yeah, and I think. I I mean, I honestly think that look, which was so bizarre against the landscape of other movies, especially in this sort of space of like big summer blockbusters, which Mm. are mostly very concerned with trying to seem cool, Mm -hmm. and The Matrix, you know, was sort of misinterpreted as a very cool movie. Because it is a cool movie, yes, but it's not a posturing movie. No, but it, it did set like cool aesthetics, like yes. for the next few years. I just, but I,
3: I just watched all three of those movies. This yeah, weekend. Yeah, and it, you guys, like the the sunglasses. I mean, it just reminds me of every single stoner guy I knew in my freshman and sophomore year of high school. Right, but like, this—that's
1: well, th- that's that's the thing. It is, they
3: did have a coolness posturing to it. I think. I think it's like yeah. a, very specific to them. and I think in hindsight we can recognize it as being like a actually kind of geeky version of coolness. Exactly. Yeah, um,
1: that that's the sort of point I was going to make, is that, like, at the time it was looked at as this very cool movie, but it's actually, like, a nerd's idea of what's cool. Mm-hmm. And by dumb luck—
3: It's like a LARPer's idea of yeah, what's cool.
1: Right. Yeah, right. And by dumb luck, that conception linked up at the moment culturally with some idea of what cool actually right, was. Right, And it was like, oh, these guys are hip, they're edgy. snakeskin, like, skin. Right. <laughs> but then you look back and it's like, no, they're just very sincere nerds, and somehow their thing hit a nerve, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah like this was just a pure expression of what they were interested in aesthetically, emotionally, psychologically, philosophically. And speed racers the same thing but the culture yeah. was like pass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um you look at like when the trailers were happening, the aesthetics made no fucking sense if you were imagining seeing that like in between trailers for like the Incredible Hulk and and fucking, you know, right. like Wanted or whatever. You know, wanted. I'm, I'm trying to think of
2: 08 movies. Wasn't Indiana Jones, uh, yeah. Crystal Skull was that year? Iron Man, Kung Fu well, Panda. Well, no, Iron Man yeah. ruined this movie. Yes. Because this movie came out a week after Iron
1: Man it just Correct. was completely crushed yeah. by it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, if you watch the film, there's sort of an immersion therapy thing where the movie teaches you how to watch it mm-hmm. and sort of those visuals make sense to you. But if you're just seeing a trailer, you're like, is this movie supposed to look shitty? Like a lot of people were like, Why are the effects so bad?
3: So in, in that way, I would say that's the way that you would need to be primed. Like, not in the mythology of Speed Racer necessarily. That's not
2: really a thing anyway. But yeah. in the
3: grammar of anime. Like yes. I think that's what you will you will get so much more satisfaction out of this film seeing those really subtle translations from from animation to live action. Even like even using the source material of a pretty crappily animated show, just seeing how they interpret that in like a very, very Much higher budget production uh, is really interesting. And, like, even when the film is kind of lagging, that is something to chew on.
2: I mean, there was just such a, especially post, like, Star Wars prequels and stuff, there was such a even mainstream rejection of, like, green screen. I don't like it when things look like they're on a green screen. Like, I don't like it when I can tell, like, that there's a seam. Yes. Or anything like that. And, like, that. Speed Racer was
1: doubling down on that. It's a deliberately artificial movie in the same way that, like, the MGM musicals embrace the fact that they were shot on On sets. Like, rather than trying to make it look like a real apartment, Mm -hmm. you did the end of, you know, An American in Paris. Mm -hmm. Where it's, like, this, you know, super heightened artificial fantasy dream sequence. And this movie is like that. Like, it's using digital technology. I mean, there's even something very simple in You look at their complete disregard of, like, real-world physics in the racing sequences. Yes. The way the cars spin and the way they jump up. There's no effort to explain, like, how these things can happen. Right. And aside from the fact that, like, okay, the technology is impossible. You can't have, like, a car on, like, spring stilts that can, like, spin over like that and (laughs) land perfectly, right? But even beyond that, the way they animate those movements that would be impossible— Rather than trying to have them be dictated by any sort of, well, if this could, then it would go yeah, like yeah. this. The cars move like kids playing with, on a fucking Hot Wheels track. Right. It's mm-hmm. like you lift the car up on your hand and you spin it around yeah, six yeah, times. Because yeah. <laughs> right. that'd be cool. And then you drop it straight down. <laughs> or they'll like crash into each other. and Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, but it's just like, it's going to spin an extra time because that's awesome. Yeah.
3: A lot of people die in this film. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it, it's interesting because you do once in a while see that shot of somebody like being encased in like bubble wrap or whatever when they get out of their car. Like there's yeah. a, some sort of safety feature, but you only see it once or twice. A lot of times people just blow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No,
3: anytime you see a car explode, we are meant to understand that that person died. In right. Car this explosion. is a blood sport. Yes. Yeah.
2: And like the world of this, I mean, the world makes it, it, it seems to be only racing right like everyone the world that racing. this is racing. In. Racing everyone is loves like racing is like america's
1: favorite which art which is why, form. like yeah. why is
3: this teacher so down on him then like yeah. of course is everybody really into <laughs> racing like it seems like that yeah <laughs> um uh i oh should i share my theory about this Film. It's not a theory. It's just like it's like dumb armchair psychology. But we I, I it, might
2: we, s- that. we specialize in dumb armchair yeah.
1: psychology. Yeah. Should we go through the plot a little bit? Just because yeah, the yeah, point yeah, you yeah. want to get to is set up in the first like thirty minutes, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the opening ten minutes of this movie are a fucking masterpiece. They're right? amazing. Yeah, and it's so
2: fun. It's basically speed on the racetrack.
1: The opening shot is Speed in, a uh, in like, a locker room. Oh, yeah, and, like, tapping his from foot. From behind. Yeah, he's so getting cool. ready for the race. Even, even before that, the fucking studio logos on this film. Oh, I mean, yeah. Michael Giacchino did the score, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And you just have, like, these very, like, sort of uh, poetic, quiet, subdued notes of the theme starting to creep in in a very sort of, like, subtle way. And the logos, the Silver Studios logo, Village Roadshow, Warner Brothers, are done with this kaleidoscopic, I mean, sort of what J.D. was talking about at the end of the film, but mm-hmm. Yeah. priming you for, the yeah. color palette of the film, yeah. the movement of the film, and then hard cut to Emil Hirsch in a real physical location, right? Yeah. Like a set, tapping his leg, nervous before the race, you don't see his face, and then boom, the movie goes straight into like 70 things at once. Right. His childhood, his adolescence, his family, the race itself. His you girlfriend. Know? His, his girlfriend. girlfriend. Oh, You set up every character, mm-hmm. you set up the entire history, and this is all intercut with, a race that we're seeing.
2: A race we're seeing where we where we eventually understand that he is racing against the ghost of his older brother yeah, who right. died in a fiery car accident. And he's racing him like he's fucking doing a Mario Kart time trial, where we see like that's actually the, s- the second race. The- no, 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 it's this, this is this the first, first race. The first race, race? Yeah, 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 the yeah, first yeah, one's like yeah. the, the ghost.
3: spectral yeah. ghost. Oh no, the second one is one that his brother died yes. on. That's yes, exactly. Right. yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. The rally,
2: uh, but yeah. we see like this sort of spectral image of his brother's car, like mm-hmm. doing the opposite moves of his car, as they and like the people are like, is he gonna break a record? And then at the end, he doesn't. Yeah. It's so he like slides into the image of his brother's car.
3: This movie also could have just been a Mario Kart movie. It's oh, a very God. Mario Kart <laughs> movie. Oh, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Make a Mario Kart movie, Wachowski. <laughs> yeah. They it, already did. It's like everything is Rainbow Road in this. It's amazing. But um, it's a Good
2: call.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's also, this is how a lot of speed racer, this is how a lot of filmmakers would have ended their speed racer movie. Yeah, sure. With him
2: making this emotional decision to like let his brother, you know, like have his legacy or whatever.
1: Yeah. And the stuff they're intercutting with the race would be like the first hour of the movie. They'd play all that stuff out chronologically in real time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see Speed Racer as a little boy. You see his relationship with Rex. You see after Rex dies, you see him meeting Trixie, his girlfriend, that relationship developing. Mm -hmm. You see all of this stuff. And like most films would be like, okay, that's act one. You know? Yeah. And then act two is him getting ready for this race, and act three is the race. Yeah. And this film just gives you all this in the first 10 minutes, and it gets at this idea. Um, I, I think there are two big sort of ideas to this film. I mean, it's it's all this sort of battle. I mean, I, I think this is what you're getting at, but it's like this battle of uh, uh, commerce versus art. Right. And I think there's this, one of the central ideas they're getting at is that any great art is the product of every single life experience you've had up until that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not just about being talented. It's not just about being hardworking. Mm -hmm. If you're making great, true, genuine art, it's everything has taken you to this one moment. Right. And that's the thing they keep on getting at is, like, in the races, you're going back to everything that's happened in Speed Racer's life, relevant or irrelevant. You know, the big moments and the little moments. And he's all—he's entirely a product of his entire experience.
3: Well, the races are interesting the way that they're shown, especially the last one, because— while there is, like, some conflict with the other racers and there's some, you know, dirty tricks and stuff in one of them, it really, they are personal experiences. They are uh, cathartic, like, mo- modes of expression, mm-hmm. uh, more so than battles or conflicts. Like, right. th- that That is happening on the surface, but the real thing that that scene is about is, like... What's he going through?
2: Yeah. One thing I like about this movie is that there is no rival on the track per se. It's This right. isn't a movie yeah. about Speed Racer versus Racer right. X or anyone else. Like there are lots of rivals who are like just kind of bad guys or whatever, but there's never any kind of dynamic playing out between like the the drama is, mu- as you say, is much more in his head and in like the film yeah. story at large than it is about like, oh, he has to you know finish ahead of, you know. Bloody blah. Like yeah, you know, the the, the the guy with the mustache.
3: So so here's my read on this film. Uh, so it starts out with him doing this race and, and right. doing
1: very, very well at you know, beating everybody. Sure. It's sort of his breakout star moment. It's where his breakout take star moment.
3: Yeah. Um and yeah, and, and 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 uh the big time comes the calling. And uh, Royalton, there are are so yeah, (laughs) Royalton. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, Roger Allen, Roger Allen, he's also in
2: in who's uh, the villain in V for Vendetta, and he's Um, a great British theater actor. mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, he uh, yeah, so 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 he kind of gets introduced or whisked away into this world of like, oh, we could take really good care of you, like, we live, you know, this is this is this is what the big time looks like. You know, very, very, like, we see this kind of thing in all sorts of movies. Right. Um, But but
1: done in the craziest way possible where, like, I mean, not just the... a private
3: jet with candy. Yeah,
1: yeah, the language of the film. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Not just the language of the film where it's, like, no hard cuts and it's all these weird, like, I mean, the images change behind the characters' Mm -hmm. heads and we're moving forward in time, but also, like, as they're giving the tour, it's not just like, "Oh, here's a massage room. Here's a candy room. It's like here's a ninja training facility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the ninjas are being held up by robot arms. like it's like such an expansive imagination. And also tonally already, this film is getting to this thing where, like the candy thing, don't they play Hallelujah? And then I it think becomes so. like yeah, oh, oh, when goes
3: in and like sneaks into the plane and eats so much candy that he passes out, and I have to say. That is hilarious to yeah. me. That is so funny. I love when people eat too much of something and get sick and regret it. That's they a also, really funny
1: thing. They essentially they tweak out on candy at one point yeah, and yeah. like have like a speed ramped like uh, chase through Royalton's office to Freeburg. Mm-hmm. We
2: should say oh that God, uh, like the forgot, C the C plot of this film so is that Speed's youngest brother Spritel and his uh, chimpanzee friend Jim Jim. Uh, Chim Chim. Uh, want to eat candy <laughs> like, it's season. like A plot speed racer dealing with his legacy and his future like B plot like you know the, 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 the capitalism and like the world racks, of race yeah. C plot candy
3: <laughs> does he get candy at the end uh, Do, I feel like they drop maybe they don't resolve
2: it well enough I
3: mean he gets candy in the middle when they sneak onto the plane he gets plenty but... of candy then <laughs> I love a goal that is candy oriented <laughs> it's, it's very real to me uh yeah, so so basically, or else
1: gives him this big spiel.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, first he gives him the, the the soft sell, which is like, oh, it's great, you know, you'll 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 yeah. be served, you know, in this wonderful way. Uh, here's and a like, suit.
1: Oh, you look great in it, Speed. Don't you hard look great? Sell,
3: the hard sell is, don't you know, this entire game is rigged right. and garbage. And the thing that you have projected, all of your dreams are on romanticized. It's your favorite thing. It is dirty and and corrupt. It's all business. Yeah, there's no actual like nobody's actually realizing their dreams through this mode of expression because (laughs) because right exactly because speed
2: gives this speech about like I remember when I was a kid watching this famous race with my dad and we were cheering this guy and he like pulled it off and it was such a and he's like we rigged that race so that like X Chrome stock would go up and X engine stock would go down like you don't know what you're talking about like and uh, and as you're saying right like this this is. A capitalist world there, there, there is no pleasure to be found here but it's, there's, it's there's the equivalent
1: no... of a kid going into like a film school interview and be like mm-hmm. I remember seeing Star Wars right, with my right, dad right. and my world changing and then being like Star Wars was made by a bunch of coke heads yeah right yeah. like it was a fucking tax shelter <laughs> Like they,
2: <laughs> made, they made sequels to that because yeah of profit margin yeah, right. yeah, and yeah like there, that was an economic decision made by CEOs
1: yeah
3: like each of those characters was was Margaret Research like it was not right yeah and that's um, only more
2: and more true
3: yeah yeah, yeah. um And basically, it 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 works up towards this big final race that I would argue is um, represents a chapter of the Wachowskis' career that has not yet been realized, where they are able to overcome all of these outsider, uh, these corrupt outsider influences, realize their dream, and everybody loves it.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the ending of this film is really fascinating because it's sort of them calling their own shot that didn't come true. Yeah. I think they hoped that people would react to Speed Racer in a way that would prove their ending yeah, like correct. You know? Because it
3: feels like the whole middle part where it's like getting exposed to just how how corrupt that the business is feels like the experience of working on something like V for Vendetta or working on something where they didn't have total control but are like being, like their talents have been recognized and they've mm-hmm. been brought in to work on something and it's like, oh, like we got to make this this first thing that was major success and was totally our vision and like that's what filmmaking is, right? And then it's not no. a, at all. Uh, like, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. yeah. Not except until you get your Netflix show.
2: This <laughs> is... <laughs> Uh, but this is that's why this is the ultimate blank check movie because it is them being like we have a blank check right and they're being told like no there's like
1: all this fine print on the the other side of the blank check that you forgot to read this movie's about the very notion of blank checks but then of course they did make it so Mm -hmm. I mean they are kind of yeah but their thesis sort of became like we everything has to be a blank check. Like we can't worry about exactly. that other stuff. Right. I mean, I do think, you know, they they were these outsiders. They were these Chicago boys. They wrote some spec scripts. Yeah. They made deals quickly. They, they made, made some spec,
2: They wrote they wrote a spec script that got they thought got messed up and screwed over by right. Hollywood assassins, you know, like they had had like the kind of bad Hollywood experience but in they the were, 90s.
1: Even like when they went into the Matrix, they were very much outsiders. Yeah. Joel Silver was their big sort of protector. Mm-hmm. He was their pops racer, if you will. He was this big gruff <laughs> guy who sort of fought <laughs> Yeah, he's, a bit he's of a pop of
0: yeah. <laughs> And we should—I mean, like you
2: know—you read these. I read these stories at least about like you know the bound script when the like when the bound script had the the sex scene in the first thirty minutes. Like mm-hmm. apparently in block text it said like you're going to ask us to cut this scene out and we will not be cutting this scene out no matter what you say. And like yeah. the Matrix was the same way where it's like every the script would say like everything needs to be exactly as we're describing it. You can't fuck with this. Right. They very, They're very prickly, you know, like yeah. we, we are our artists and like
1: this is what we want to do. Like yeah. They also, uh, you know, are notoriously very, very press shy. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done more interviews since both of them have come out right. than they did before. And they were always sort of like a mystery. I never saw an interview with them except for like on like
2: yeah. extras, DVDs. Once, you know, there would be like one interview with them, like where yeah. there were these like weird reclusive sort of guys who were just yeah. like, uh, yeah, we like like animation and we like Kung Fu. And yeah. you're like.
1: Wow, these two are a bunch of yeah. Okay, but I think Joel of, Silver was like their like barrel chested, like Greco-Roman right. wrestling. You like, could like you know, read protector. the
3: Hollywood system for them and right. like interface for them. Yeah, right.
1: and they sort of were like guarded and like bully from bully a
2: budget basically I, out yeah. of a bigger studio for them.
1: Yeah. I do think you're you're onto something, Emily, which is that like the first race, which would be. St- the victory, the final mm-hmm. act of most other mm-hmm. films is them making The Matrix. Yeah, and, and just it's like, having
3: this amazing success right, right at the
1: gate. and it's yeah. like, you've done it. You've accomplished the thing. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. like, no, you have no idea. So you've hit it once, and you did it on your own terms. That means we own you now. Yeah. Like, we're not going to yep. let you make a mistake, good or bad, on your own terms again. If right. you succeed, it's because of us, and if you fail, it's because of us. We want our claws in you. Mm-hmm. And the movie is them trying to figure out what to do. I think the second act is The Matrix sequels. Which is them being like really overloaded by everything, you right. know, all yeah. this ambition, teaming up with people not being sure of exactly what to do. And the third act is what they hoped Speed Racer would do for their right. careers.
0: That's
3: I think that's another reason why the, the climax is like like makes you want to cry. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not that movie was not that and you're watching it at the same time that you're realizing that it's not that. <laughs> like, oh God. Oh, this is
1: great stuff, guys. <laughs> We're really digging in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no time for bits on this episode just because there's so much to break apart in this movie. I mean, I well, would... Go ahead. Go oh, ahead, no, Emily. no,
3: no. Uh, no, go ahead.
1: I'm well, I mean, I would say if the movie, you know, where the movie
2: sags the most is that second act. Yeah. Where it's right. throwing a lot of stuff at the audience. It's ostensibly a kid's movie. I believe this movie is rated PG. You know, it's correct like, mm-hmm. Uh, Which, when you make a movie that's rated PG, you better want kids to see it because, right. like, that's how the Hollywood economy works. Like, you know, this is going to have to be a movie that appeals to it. And, uh you know the second act basically begins with a ceo explaining the stock market and yeah. like you know and how like the that, those machinations influence the
1: sports industry and, and then you go all onto this sort of B plot about rain there's this B plot about rain
2: rain shout out to rain is that is he a character at all is that based on a character from the that. anime at all I, yeah i don't know and but then I there's think,
3: yeah i think well it's a very international cast as was the matrix yes um, of course i i have a few thoughts on rain in this but you know i do think at least it was a move in the right direction to have somebody actually Asian in the film. But
2: yeah, he, he uh, he's like a Korean like K-pop star, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, is he has, he acts as well. I yeah, I mean he he was a, the star of Ninja he, Assassin. Yeah, mm-hmm. he
3: was the hottest thing in like two thousand seven. Like, right, right, and like, to the point where like you know you would read a New York Times article about him, maybe. Right, but like not not that he would be mainstream or anything.
1: Colbert would always have him on the show as like a joke. Colbert used to put Rain on the well I mean he I think he used to reference him a lot and then eventually Rain started making appearances but it was the idea of this guy who's like super famous in another part of the world who we have no awareness of yeah
3: yeah um, um,
1: watching those sort of phenomenons from the outside is always fascinating so it was like the idea that like girls will scream and faint when he walks by you right. here in America he's anonymous
3: right 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 but
2: the, so there's the rain thing but there's also there's there's the, the inspector guy inspector like, detective inspector <laughs> detective <laughs> he must be in the anime oh yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. I, yeah. I have never seen it and then there's Hiroyuki Sanada, who's a great actor who had like just been in like the Twilight Samurai oh. as like the CEO of a rival company who's doing some sort of, like, you know, e- economic battle with Royalton, and you don't really get what the implications are of that. Well, yeah,
3: he's, 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 uh, he's, he's Rain's, Rain's guy,
2: dad. right, right. He's so also, what's Rain's character's name to, uh, uh Tejo, the, the, there Oh, it is. oh, Taijo. Taijo. Taijo,
1: right. And, um, and, and Togo
3: Khan, yeah, the Togo Kans who have, like, the Ferrari logo as their, um,
1: Right. Sonata's also weirdly like 7th build in this film He's got maybe well, he's 2 a, scenes He's another huge star I know he's I a mean, huge star Yeah, The billing got, on this film is really like, weird Shaft
2: we'll get shows it. up for 2 scenes And Richard Roundtree shows up Who's also fucking billed above Roger Allum Roger Allum is disrespected in the credits for this movie It would be my biggest criticism of the film Is Roger Agreed. Allum's uh, billing <laughs> Agreed. Very low Yeah, uh, It's quite annoying but uh, yeah. whatever uh, he gives a great performance anyway. Yeah, Good but, job, Roger.
1: But Richard Roundtree plays one of the guys in the fixed race. Yes, he plays Burns, and at the end, he's a commentator on the final race. Right. And it's like he's seeing, even
2: though the movie only kind of implies that that's why he's so delighted by Speed, like sort of beating the system at the end of the at the end of the movie. Yeah, but it's right. Like that's sort of the implications part. Yeah. Like he's sort of Speed has done what he couldn't do, which is like. Yeah. Like transcending all this, you know, match fixing and like industry meddling.
1: Yeah, there's there's a scene. Yeah, uh, this movie's guys. I'm gesturing. Yeah, this movie's incredible. Guys, so yeah, this movie's incredible. <laughs> um, the uh, there's a scene with uh, Speed and Trixie. Oh, this movie's so fucking sincere, but I, <laughs> I, I very did... sincere. Christina Ricci <laughs> plays
2: Trixie. We haven't mentioned her. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I, Ariel Winter of Modern Family plays a young Trixie in in a couple scenes oh, yeah. there. Uh, very I young Ariel think Winter.
3: Christina Ricci is excellently cast. Great. Um, actually, all the casting. Her scene, look is great. Her look is great. I mean, actually, I mean, Emil Hirsch is great in this. Is like, he's really looks perfect. Good in this he is
2: film. such a good actor, and it yeah. is such a bummer that he is apparently a jerk and like doesn't make movies uh, anymore. A uh, lady or strangler? Or yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. Look at look at
3: this pig. look what. A yeah, no. Look, look at, at how they lighten both their hair for the premiere.
1: Yeah, I know it's like they a both. Tribeca. Were, they both were blondies. This
3: movie's premiered at Tribeca in yeah, so Tribeca of '08. In,
1: in yeah, Tribeca 08, yeah. yeah. Um, I love the fact that uh, and, and he looks
2: just
3: like him.
1: I know it's weird. It's weird like how much in had- the
3: alert he looks, looks, like, the looks like the cartoon.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Especially with the eyebrows. And, yeah, yeah, he's
2: got a good brow, which I think is necessary for a role like
1: this. Well, mm-hmm. like 50% of his furrows. performance mm-hmm. in this movie is being determined behind yeah. the wheel of a car. Sort of gritting his teeth in there. You know, yeah. Right, and and looking over
3: it. And every once in a while, he'll have a line where he's like actually has to say something instead of just looking. And that's when it kind of falls apart. Sure. Because he's sure. just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: what must the script of this film look like? You can only imagine. imagine. Yeah. I mean, the craziest thing is, like, everyone who made this movie was like so locked in. You you read about like Emil Hirsch and Susan Sarandon they, and John Goodman were all just like, Sarandon. "Let Sarandon." Sorry, I yeah. do that all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, British and Christina Ricci. No, I think it's just a mispron. I do it all the time. <laughs> we're just like, "Let's make a sequel now!"
1: Like they, they gave yes. all these interviews where like we want to make so many of these movies, so it must have and been the fun to make. Had them plotted out. I yeah. also I've heard from uh, anonymous sources who worked on the film. Mm-hmm. That uh, John Goodman was struggling with alcoholism during the making of this film, and was like really fighting for his sobriety. He's so good in this He's, movie. Well, me, yeah. me and Emily yeah. had a long conversation about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he really should constantly be in the conversation of the best living actors. We yeah. talk about guys we undervalue. Talk about an underrated guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and everyone loves John Goodman, but we don't take him seriously enough.
3: Well, he's a character actor. He's one yeah. of these, like, he's always going to play that guy yeah, in the so- movie. But he will also define roles and make them, like, transcend his Absol- part in he's
0: that.
1: He's a type unto himself. and Yeah. yeah and absolutely, yeah. he's, yeah. He can literally do anything. He fits into any genre, any size of project, any yeah. size of role, and he never has a false moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and one of the things that he does so well, I mean, and look, I mean, someone like 10 Chlorophyll Lane uses this to fight the mm-hmm. audience's expectations, mm-hmm. is he is able to project this really, really innate sense of decency. Sure. And yeah. this movie is all about sort of integrity, you know, like moral certitude and decency mm-hmm. about like knowing what you stand for and fighting for that and not at the expense of anyone else. I mean,
2: this is what we're talking about this film has no irony. Like that's yeah. that's the no thing, thing about irony. Goodman's performance. Like it's like this isn't like some weird pastiche.
3: That's And I think that's one of the things that makes I mean, there were a lot of adaptations like for over a span of like 20 years or something there have been adaptations of cartoons of this level of depth. You know, like mm-hmm. like like Sco- the Scooby-Doo movies sure. or something and those are all completely ironic productions right. because yes, it's like why arch. would we make this like right. like you know the 60s were weird and cheesy and corny and like and whatever and you're
1: making jokes about the fact that Shaggy's clearly a stoner yeah, and that yeah. seems like a lesbian like you're calling out all the adult readings yeah. of the cartoon yeah
3: I mean, and and it's not that, like, it's not that the Speed Racer cartoon itself is, like, very, very maudlin or anything. It's just Mm -hmm. straightforward. That's it. Like, that's, it's not jokey.
1: But so many other versions of this movie would have a character go, like, oh, no, Speed Racer, he's going to win the race. And someone else going, like, uh, why are you talking like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they'd make those (laughs) jokes. I mean, I I don't think there's a better example
2: than the fact that, like, this film, like, the the cuts to the Spritle and the monkey and the chimpanzee, like, those, that's not for a cutaway gag. Like they yeah. have a, they, they have their own plot in the movie. yeah, like, but, but, they are being yes. used as they are used in the cartoon, which right. is for comic relief, right. but straight comic relief. and not also arch comic relief.
1: Like the idea of, I mean, it, it's sort of like what Bollywood does, where it's like, why not put every genre in there? Right? Like, just because we're taking the races seriously doesn't mean we can't have a kid and a monkey trying to candy. Yeah. If you like both of these things individually and we're charging you the same amount for a ticket, then watch both of them. Boy, oh boy. you know, like let's have cool races. Let's have, like, serious family drama, and let's just have, like, the, I mean, this fucking scene where they're riding around in, like, a go-kart inside mm-hmm. a, a fucking, like, massive, like, company factory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's, like, in fast motion, like, sped up playing air guitar while Freebird plays. They were like, why wouldn't we do this? <laughs>
3: Like you need somebody to break it up. You've just had like your dream shattered by by yeah. Royalton, Right now you are going It's,
1: it's mid speech. They're cutting in the middle of him giving that's the true. speech on oh, like, and, and then the uh, uh, we went up seventy two points in yes. the stock market, and then they cut back to like now now. I think, it's like Chim Chim eating a fucking Hershey's Kiss. I
2: guess that's when I was saying, like, the PG thing. I mean, like, it's kind of the argument, like, no, this is a family movie in that there's stuff for everybody. Yeah. Rather than, like, this is pitched at a 10 year old. Like, yeah. th- there is stuff for everyone in the film to enjoy. Maybe the kid zones out during the Roger Allen speech, but he's got, he's got candy antics to worry about.
1: Yeah. Ironically, in aiming to do that, most of America was like, who's this movie for? Like, nobody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean,
2: Americans are. Well, you know, something Someone that
3: I visionally. kind of, this this movie kind didactic, of reminds I think. me Liberal. of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, totally, this movie, um, and not, no, not totally. I don't know what the word, like, just like spiritually, it reminds me of Snowpiercer a lot.
0: Ooh, yeah. Um, Ooh. Yeah. And
3: that there's just, there's so many things going on. It's like, Pretty straightforward and earnest.
2: There's a serious singularity of vision, and like yeah. not, it is taking itself seriously. This is not like a weird arch thing. Yeah, at all. yeah.
3: And it's like this sort of not a, not American, not Asian, mm-hmm. not not any one nationality production. The sensibility reflects that. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it does not feel like a American Hollywood action film. It like no. has the budget of one, yep. and it has the stars of one, but it does Kinda. not feel.
1: Well, uh, Emile Hirsch, he's I, a young star. Yeah. At that time, we thought he was going to yeah, really... No, yeah, totally, yeah. Totally.
2: I didn't mean to step on
1: you. Only going, like eight going. years later, it's pretty crazy to think there was like a $150 million temple where the two leads were Emil Hirsch and Christina, Christina Ricci. Ricci. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, Susan Saran and, and, and John Goodwin yeah, were absolutely. both like, yes, we are there. We yeah. want to do this and we're going to do this with utmost sincerity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that that feels, for lack of a better word, it feels foreign. Like, it feels yeah. like something that would never happen through any kind of traditional, we have this property, we better do something with it means, um, I don't know.
1: There's, there's the inclusiveness, Whew. I think, to all their films. And I think um, there's even just a fact that they don't call out the differences between people. I mean, a lot of this cast is Australian, and I assumed yeah. it was because they filmed this movie in Australia. They didn't. They filmed it in Germany. Yeah. But, um, they but had, it was a they Village production. Yeah, right, and they brought the people over, and there's no one going like, hey, wait, why is, like, most other movies like this would have a scene explaining how, uh, what's his name? Um, Sparky. Sparky. Sparky right. would, like, He's joined a, up with the family. Why is this Australian guy with <laughs> us? And the film is just this melting pot <laughs> where it's like. yeah. You know, think about the amount of movies you've seen. Who is that, Kit Gurry? What what do I know him from? He's so familiar. Oh, he's in
2: Edge of Tomorrow? He plays? He's one of the ensemble in Edge of Tomorrow. I'll tell
1: you which member the ensemble is. He's the one who makes the
2: joke at the beginning of every, right? Well, go go ahead. His name's Griff. Oh, his name is Griff, huh? That's why I remember him.
3: Oh, you know the uh, the name of the uh, original creator of uh, Speed Racer? Shoot. Yoshida.
2: Ah. Uh, <laughs> is uh, there yeah. anything for me in this?
3: Mm, yep. I think there's a David in there somewhere. There's probably, probably a David in yeah. there probably it's a David. common name. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, um, hey, cinematography, David Tatterstall. Oh, yeah. There we go. Tatterstall. Yeah. Tattersall. yeah. Um, yeah but there, oh,
3: that wasn't? Oh, I thought that was that, the guy
2: who shot all the Star Wars prequels.
3: Just oh. Okay. Oh, very interesting. I thought that it was a,
1: a Bill Pope. It's not a Bill
2: Pope joint. Not he not was, he was busy point. on other stuff. He was making Spider-Man
1: 3 probably, uh, you know. Bill Pope had been snapped up by Raimi again. Uh, Sidebar, um, Ryan Reynolds' character in the movie Criminal, uh, the Kevin Costner movie, is named Bill Pope and it's very distracting (laughs) because the whole idea is that Bill Pope is dead and they're trying to inject his memories into Kevin Costner's brain, so they keep on going like, you are Bill Pope. Who is Bill Pope?
3: (laughs) Does Kevin Costner want to be a brilliant cinematographer or something? Maybe.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Criminal. An odd movie. Um, um, just so this isn't a hanging thread before I forget, uh, the, the thing I was getting at with John Goodman's alcoholism, not just to like, throw him oh, under shoot. a bus and be like, oh, he was a drunkard. What I have heard is that like, the family, the racer family in the film, the actors playing them, like, really sort of became a family unit bonded around John yeah. Goodman to like help That's him through so this beautiful. time that is That's fucking beautiful and apparently know, they, like, the world is beautiful yeah see I uh, knew I had to finish that one they like God. all apparently kept in touch and like checked in with him and we're like we're gonna get you through this like see, this film meant a lot to everyone emotionally working on and
3: this it. is like the major case for like okay maybe the problem with movies that are 100% CGI where everything shot on a green screen isn't necessarily the technique Maybe it's the fact that they're made like things on a, a conveyor belt. Like it's right, not right. right. It, like if, if the cast, you can t- you can tell when the cast is invested, mm-hmm. when the people who are making the film and shooting the film and making the props and everything are invested.
1: Connected is also a good word. Yeah. Because they yeah. Like, have something to tether onto, yeah, like connected. another actor or yeah. whatever their reference points they are that they're being And the fact given. they all
3: wanted to make another one. Like I think that there, were, there could have been a lot of versions of this movie where everybody's just like. Pieces out afterwards and never sees each other again because they're like well we got that that one in the can like
1: Most like prospective franchise starters, when you see the actors making the press rounds and they're like, So, are you signed up for more sequels? There's always a sort of tone of, Like, uh, right, if my my agent says, Yeah, I I am contractually obliged to be in a sequel, we'll we'll see what happens, right? You know, but this one they were like, Oh, god, we want to do it so badly, we want to get back to Germany. Oh,
3: so yeah, it's really, really amazing how much this syncs up with the actual text of the film, (laughs) like, yeah, it's crazy.
1: I also think. I, I, again, I need another cigarette. I really just. Yeah. We're having a great time. Here, well, there's a, there's another point to that I want to build up to, but I think um, talk about Emile Hirsch's performance and how good he is behind the wheel of the car. And the lines, the times where he has to throw out lines in the car don't work that well. But it's also that's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. I think all the emotional scenes where he's grounded with another actor in conversation, that's a really tough thing to play. Is just like a dude who's just so optimistic. Yeah. Total sincerity. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very hard to play uncomplicated people. Yeah. Because like playing a bad guy, there's like a lot of ticks you can jump yeah. onto, and you like you know you express your sort of like inner evil or whatever it is. But to just play a guy who's just like racing's all I know, so I got to do something. It's <laughs> like it's tough to do that and not seem corny. And he has no, there there seems to be no internal checker of him mm-hmm. in yeah. him of like is this going to sound stupid? Yeah, like right. he's just so there's so much conviction behind everything he's saying. Yeah. he sells all those speeches. The other guy in the film who I think does that super super well. Is Matthew Fox? I was waiting for us to get to Matthew yeah, Fox. Maybe Foxy. my favorite performance An- in the film.
2: Another notorious jerk, we should say. Yeah, uh, Matthew a Fox is guy. a reprehensible human being who
1: beats women. I, is that is true? Li- oh fuck! Wait,
2: what? Didn't he, didn't he like beat up some lady?
3: Uh, I didn't
1: know that. That sucks.
3: Oh, I fucking hate that. All these people are kind of like I don't know. Um, oh. I get a bad vibe. But uh, this is the this is the the line I thought you were going to open with. Uh, he's going to be good. No, he's not going. To, he's no, he's going to be the best. If they don't destroy him first, I couldn't figure out how to how to put pod, podcast. Yeah, all right. if yeah. they don't podcast,
0: him just first. so we don't get sued. Yeah, yeah.
2: Just so we don't get sued because I I am making scurrilous accusations against yeah. Matthew Fox, who um, is a big fan of the show, huge fan of the show. He yeah. was reported to have punched a female bus driver in the chest and pelvic area after attempting to board a party bus reserved for a private yes. bachelor party. Oh, I party. remember
3: the party bus. Now
2: this, I don't oh. think this was ever resolved. He said he didn't do it, and like you know, it's one of those things where it's all like allegedly, allegedly. But I do. Remember Remember Dominic Monaghan years later giving some interview where he was asked like, "Oh, do you stay in touch with Matthew Fox?" And Dominic Monaghan was like, "That guy beats up women. Fuck him. Like, you know, I don't, I don't hang Man. out with that guy." Man. And which is interesting about the Lost cast because I think they almost never hung out because Lost was this weird like tapestry of stories, you know, yeah. where people Throws were or something would like. rarely cross over like on set. But uh, anyway, so Matthew Fox, weird reputation. So good in the movie.
1: Watching this movie. I'm a big Matthew Fox acting
2: fan. Same here.
1: I I mean, it definitely felt like when Lost was at its peak, like this guy's going to have a big movie career when this ends. Sure. And this was one of maybe two or three projects that didn't connect. And then he like wiped out, which maybe it's because of him being difficult to work with. I think he's somewhat of a challenge, but he. What do you think of Matthew Fox? I
3: I don't have it. I was never a Lost fan, so I don't have a I'm connection f- to him. Huge Lost fan. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm actually. If we're gonna talk about Racer X slash slash Rex, I'm more interested in Scott Porter. Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Street. <laughs>
2: Look at, well, I mean, Friday Night Lights. I mean, this is...
3: This is also when, like, peak Friday Night, Friday Night Lights Friday Lights is at.
2: probably in its second season. It's it's in its like, second season, yeah. but
3: this he probably was cast off of the first off of, season. Off yeah. of the pilot, basically. Just and for being another pure, completely unassailable, positive beam exactly. of sunshine. He is, is that who I've never
2: seen cast. an episode of Friday Night Oh, my oh, right, God. That's, That's his my character. character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Friday Night Lights, <laughs> one of the greatest TV shows of, the, of this sort of... Golden Age of TV or whatever, but uh, he he is so like the golden boy in Friday Night Lights, and he is so perfect for the golden boy here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, that's completely why he was. He didn't have to do that much. I just like no. the idea of of Scott Porter getting
2: plastic surgery <laughs> and turning into Matthew. Yo, Fox. give me some Matthew Fox up here. Like, I, <laughs> I need to turn dark. <laughs> I
3: want like a B list famous face, though. Well, also, like. <laughs> well, also,
2: he is a great casting for uh, Emil Hirsch's brother those yes. two have a mm-hmm. very have similar, similar look
1: yeah. I did I remember finding the plastic surgery plot funny because they're both sort of like they don't look the same but they're also both sort of like very generically handsome yeah white they're, guys. Both, yes. they're both
2: strong jawed
1: men give me strong uh, jaw
3: B instead of strong jaw C like, right with,
1: yeah. yeah they don't have yeah, like they went into the video game and they sort yeah, of just swapped out a I, they few
3: features, the, me features. The,
1: the biggest difference between the two of them is that Matthew Fox's face is longer which you wouldn't be able to achieve with plastic surgery <laughs> that's your complaint no I'm not complaining cars about this cars exploded it's a pink fairy dust. <laughs> I'm in not this complaining movie. about this. I'm saying I like this. It's all part of the film that's so fantastical and so unconcerned with reality. But it's not like one of them has a very specific nose, and it's like, give me that nose. Right. No. It's no. Just no like, yeah, like one candle to another. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wait, but I, me find- I just- think Matthew Fox for me threads this needle where the scenes where he like has to be proud of speed. I think emotionally he's like very there, but also I, I think he's doing a perfect impression of the acting style of. The actors, the American actors who dub Speed Racer, oh, like yeah. even the staccato rhythms of the dialogue. He's
3: going to be very good. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, yeah. love this movie.
2: I, I forgot. I tweeted out this screenshot, which is one of my favorites. Uh, oh which yeah. Is when uh, I think it's it's during the, it's uh, the
3: amazing uh, montage. Oh, yeah, right. The, the montage t- is incredible. D- during
2: the I mean, for the with the, the Casa Cristo. Yeah, like it's sort of like an off-road, like kind of like subterranean race, right? And it's like Speed is doing this to qualify for the Grand
0: Prix. Yeah. But there's also a, a lot of other stuff going it's on. It's like a notorious.
2: Really well, understood. it's the that's
3: the one that, that Rex died on.
2: Right. It's the one that Rex died on where you go through like the ice. But anyway. Mm-hmm. And Speed is being attacked by all these people. And every time he gets attacked by a new person, we get a flashback to like them being bought off. Yeah. yeah. And there's these like, I don't know, army people like I mean it's, all, it's very wacky it's, racers where everyone totally has wacky a gimmick racers. Like, yeah. everyone's car is a gimmick it's like we're the western or car it's like we're...
3: it's like warriors or something yeah like the like, warriors um yeah, no, it's like it's like there's there's a crew of, like, girl racers who get bought off with diamonds, and yes, they throw yes. diamonds at people. And yes. then there's, like, Viking racers that, like, <laughs> have, like, huge legs of, like, mutton being brought out to them to, like, bribe. It's <laughs> so
0: bananas. And there's
2: it's the, so weird. These army guys who are shown, like, a briefcase full of money or whatever, and we see the dollar signs in their eyes as they look, and then they become the horizon of the race as the cars are, like, racing around them, just in case you didn't get that this movie is, like, a
1: treatise on capitalism. Like, (laughs) it's the best. Can we talk about that, like, intercut with Royalton's speech about how everything works? Sure. Which is already intercut with uh, (laughs) Spritel and Chim Chim looking for candy, right? (laughs) And fucking tweaking out. Yeah. They're also showing you the race that hasn't happened yet. Yes. With Royalton calling what's going to happen. He's like, okay, you want to play by your own rules? Sure, Here's how the next race is going to go. And they, like show you Royalton's projection of that race. Mm-hmm. And then when the film narratively gets to that race in real time, like 10, 15 minutes later, they don't really show it to us. They show us the beginning and the end. And yeah. it's like, yep, yeah, what he called like just happened.
3: No. And that that whole when he projects it, it's it's like in-depth enough and long enough that you actually think we've just transitioned to watching the race. Yeah. Uh, but then it's I mean it, it's clear enough by the end of it, but it's just what like it's another one of the ways that this film just plays with time in a way that's like unconventional but you can actually actually totally follow along with it's not confusing
1: every like moment in your life is like directly connected to the moments that have happened and the moments that are yet to happen like it, it, it's all sort of this times a flat circle fuck me bullshit stupid griffin negative five comedy points uh, negative but it, 500 yeah but it is True detective but it, <laughs> season three no go ahead it is it is that kind of uh thing um the the balance between art and commerce because they're not just saying like it's bad i mean there is this thing where it's like there's this line I just want to pull up where it's the scene with uh, a Trixie and Speed in the car when they sort of, like, drive to, like, Lover's oh, yeah, Point yeah. or whatever it is. And then, of course, they find out that Sprite and Shim Shim are in the backseat because mm-hmm. they knew that they were going to go get ice cream and they want ice cream. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: uh- it's changed priorities. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 There's an implication that, like, they were in the trunk for, like, a whole race or something. They should be dead. Yeah. They should be, like, they
3: very... They were the whole race, just, like, when they went out. They oh, I guess, guess just when. Yeah. But even then, you know. They, they should be
1: dead. Yeah. yeah. The reason they find out they're in the trunk is because when Speed and Trixie are about to kiss, they go, like, oh, gross! Yeah. Like, they yeah. hear the sound of kissing and they get oh, so disgusted. And they interrupt a kiss scene. For, at the like, end. At the very, very end. end. Yeah, well,
2: saying, like, we need cootie shots to watch the scene or whatever or, like, if you're cootie uh, sensitive. I forget exactly.
1: Let's make this clear this moment in the film, Speed Racer is like, if I win the race in front of all the flashbulbs, I'm going to dip you and then kiss you, which is the most romantic thing in the world, right? Yeah. Sprite and Trim Trim are like, fucking gross. At the end of the <laughs> film, this cathartic moment, like orgasm upon orgasm, like everything's <laughs> happened and you're like, oh shit, he's going to do it now. Like you see the shot mm-hmm. of the flashbulbs from his perspective, you see Trixie there, he's holding up the trophy. He turns to Trixie, he grabs her, he dips her, and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. The film stops. Mm-hmm. Sprital and Literally freezes. are yeah. superimposed over the images wearing doctor's coats. <laughs> and they go warning.
3: Yeah, they got the, the headband thing. Like, it's right. not like they interrupt <laughs> got, the yeah, scene.
2: What is, why do doctors have that silver thing on their heads? Is that
3: what? for listening to...
2: Uh, no, 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 that's the stuff, oh, stuff yeah. but like, you know what, what whatever. It's so, so you can the... see
1: yourself and make sure you don't have anything in your teeth when the doctor's operating on you. <laughs> fair enough, fair it's enough. It's satellite um, dish. But it's not like, oh, Spritle and chim interrupt the scene dramatically. Spritle and chim suddenly become the authors of the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like <laughs> telling you how to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, but in that scene before Spritle and chim so rudely interrupt them, uh, there's this dialogue exchange that I think is really great where, like, Speed's talking about, like, I just want to win this race, this and that. And this is before the Royalton scene. So he's just, like, excited about the fact that he's now qualified for the next race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Trixie says, since when did winning become so important? And Speed says, it is important. You got to win if you want to keep driving, and that's what I want to do. It's the only thing I really know how to do. And I think that line, you got to win if you want to keep driving, is, like, such a concise Mm -hmm. explanation of the way the film industry works, Mm -hmm. because it is such a high-stakes, money-driven business That, like, it's not that they care about success in and of itself, but they want to keep on operating on this level. Yeah. They're race car drivers. They need a track. They need a car. The Wachowskis aren't going to go and make another bound. They're not going to, like, slink back
2: into the indie film world or whatever.
1: Right. And they're two of the filmmakers who have consistently made an argument that they should exclusively be working on this scale because they know how to use it and they have big ideas and they want to cross genres. they innovators. They need that many different colors on their palette. Mm -hmm. And so the balance of this film is like Speed wants to stick to his guns. He doesn't want to get you know bought out, mm-hmm. but he also wants to win the race. Yeah. Like, he wants to beat everyone. He wants needs to, to, to do keep the Grand racing. Prix. He yeah. wants to
3: do the biggest race. Right.
1: right. Like, he wants the same amount of opportunities that they're getting. He just doesn't want to have to sacrifice anything yeah. for it. And it's this whole battle of like, c- can I do everything I want to do exactly my way? Mm. Is mm. it possible? And it's not just because like, it's because I think the Wachowskis are saying, if they won playing someone else's game, it wouldn't really feel like a yeah, victory it to them. Be that would be hollow. Mm-hmm. They need to try to like pull off the grand like you know, scheme of like winning on our terms.
3: They've also been cursed with the knowledge that this is possible. Yeah. But like sure. right. <laughs> one in a million shot. Which is the first have... race. Yeah. The first race he yeah. wins
1: and no one interferes at all. Yeah. And that's the matrix. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now merchandise spotlight. This film had one of the most extreme merchandising advertising campaigns in history, for like the first film of a franchise, for a franchise starter. True. Sure. Sure. Uh, let me find this article here. Um, they they talked about so this article was from like six months right before the film came out. Yep. Um, ugh, the stupid internet. Um, they uh had like one of the largest collections of like licensing partners products tie-ins. Um, Just give us the bridge version. Yeah. Um, so the studio has enlisted a lengthy lineup of promotional partners will point up at least $80 million in additional marketing support around oh the film. God. Uh, General Mills, McDonald's, Target, Mattel, Lego, Tops, e like they were going from like all aspects. Right. Making Speed Racer products, e going to adults, McDonald's going to Happy Meals. They even did the thing where like... Gosh e you know. oh is the God, stupidest so i yeah. ever heard. But they were, like, covering all bases. Yeah. And you know the way that, like, you know, <laughs> very much uh, gender binary McDonald's would do, like, the Happy Meals where it's like, oh, do you want the girl's toy yeah. or the boy's toy? Right. And it would often be like, do you want Hot Wheels or do you want Barbie? Right. The Speed Racer campaign was, do you want Speed Racer or do you want Trixie? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like they had like two parallel lines and the girls' toys, quote unquote, that month were just like Trixie stuff. Mm. And the boys' toys were speed racer. Like they were like Trixie we're, does get a fun action. She gets to be in the she car. Gets she gets to a race, which is awesome.
3: it's a little it's it's a little cheesy. It's like, a little shoehorned. Where in. they're
2: like, Look, Trixie gets to be in the For car. For like
3: like a mile of track. Right. And then she's I, like, Okay, back to you. I have my fun. Yeah. Like but it, she does have a helicopter, so that's
2: I do fun. like her cool visor. And, yeah. Uh, I like her look. Yeah, I like Christina Ricci's look in this movie from start to finish.
3: It's also like I was going back and looking, I I think uh, Annalyn Newitz on IO9 made the case that this is like a massively underrated, uh, film, and just pointed out the fact that that Christina Ricci Christina Ricci as Trixie is like super super girly, but also like is a gearhead, and right. that's that's that actually feels more interesting to me than if she would have just
0: been than like a cool tomboy
3: or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, doing the whole Yeah, like, yeah. be on a fellow racer or something. Yeah. This right.
1: film also gets at this very optimistic idea that you can, like, meet your best gal when you're, like, six. Oh, yeah. I, well, and I, you're just, like, best friends and lovers forever. Right. I also <laughs> like the idea that, like she is not, like,
2: scared for Speed Racer or, like, afraid of racing or anything like that. It's not like she's on the sidelines
1: going, like, oh, no, like, yeah, anyway. No,
3: she's, like, jazz. She's she's, always, like, grinning ear to ear watching Smash those people. And
1: that she's part of the family. Like, she's accepted by all of them. Can we also call out, like, because I think this had to be conscious, I don't know if it was just them commenting on sort of, like, the animation style and sort of, like, similar face types, but Christina Ricci and Susan Sarandon look identical in this film. Really, I think you they look so, I have picked up so similar in this movie, huh. I and I don't mm. think they usually do. I think something about how they're styled, the film. They, I think they have very similar looks.
2: She looks a lot like Susan, right there. I'll say that. Yeah. In that,
1: in that picture from the Tribeca, I think film they have festival.
3: similar smiles. Yeah. Um.
1: Um. They put all this money into it. They uh-huh. had all these partners, and then the film bombed like really, really yeah. hard.
2: We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. yeah
1: and they, um, you know, uh. I have this Variety article here that was published the week after the film came out where Warner Brothers was trying to do all this spin being like, I still think we're going to be the most successful marketing campaign of the... uh, uh, Merchandising campaign of the summer. Mm. Like, we're going to be one of the big sellers because it was just, like, cars and shit. Right. But they just made, like, fucking everything for this film. I mean, every flavor of every food, every car and every version, every racer, all this stuff. And then it, like, didn't really uh, connect at all. There's one item, if I can spotlight, which I'm now trying to find for a reasonable price on eBay... Which I think is so beautiful. They made like um, not like a high-end replica version, but like a kid's Toys R Us version of the Speed Racer helmet Mm -hmm. that had all the sounds in the helmet. (laughs) So like you could wear the helmet and like be a kid on playground, pretend to be Speed Racer, and if you turned, it would like make it sound like you were like turning. which I think the whole idea of this movie is that like Speed Racer races the way little boys like, yeah. little girls imagine being behind the wheel of a car yeah. and just going like, Vroom, meow, 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 meow. well, there's that
3: amazing scene at the beginning where he's like drawing pictures of race cars and he starts to imagine himself in his drawing. <sighs> oh yeah, and the animation like yeah it's is, like, starts yeah. moving. Yeah. yeah, and it's also like really, really low frame rate animation, which mm-hmm. I totally connected to the original, even right. though it's like kids' style drawing where it's just like. You can fill in the blanks of, like, this being thrilling and exciting even though it's not, like, super high res the way this film is. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, if it's exciting to you,
1: it will be exciting. So this is this idea I want to get at. Um, despite the fact that they were given, I think, full creative freedom to make this movie exactly how they want. Because this is a film yeah, absolutely. that smells yeah. like zero studio interference because it's very risky in a number of ways and no one would approve it other than if they, like, part of the deal was we get to do exactly what we want, you guys have to fucking bone out. Um, and they had sort of uh, Joel Silver as their protector.
2: Yeah, and Viva Vendetta had been a surprise hit for an R-rated, like, wacky dystopian movie. So yes. that, that even though the Matrix movies maybe had bombed a little bit, but they still made money, you know, that was, you know, that that helped them get along, I think, to this.
1: Uh, uh, Disney Pixar's Cars came out two years before this sure. and was one of the most... Smash and it. Remains... Yeah to this day, one of the most successful merchandising films in history. Like, within yeah. a year of oh, its release... But what is your point? So they were like, that's our end. We got right, fucking yes. cars and stuff. Yeah. Warner Brothers still was their Royalton. Warner Brothers was Absolutely. signing right. the right. check. they made all
2: the Matrix movies, yeah.
1: And what Warner Brothers tried to do with this film is Royalton the audiences into liking it. Right. right. You know, in the same way that Royalton like fixes the races, they were like, if we promote it this way, this aggressively, if we have the merchandising everywhere... I think they were freaked out by this film, but they were like, we didn't get the Matrix and it worked with people. Mm -hmm. So if we merchandise it and present it like it's any franchise that kids already like, and we Mm -hmm. make it like just so existent Mm -hmm. around us, we'll like fix the race. And there is this aspect to like a lot of movies do well just because. They promote them like they're going to do it. Well, Well, yeah,
3: they retcon the fact that you already love it. Right. Yeah.
1: They at least do okay. Maybe they're
2: not. I mean, sort of Batman versus Superman is kind of an example of that, where it kind of couldn't not at least make money. I
3: would argue that Captain America Civil War is uh, an example of everybody just already deciding they liked it before.
2: Totally. I mean, but that's, I mean, of course, Speed Racer got curb stomped by. Iron Man. We'll talk about that in a second. There, there's a great I mean, this Mr. Is the Show beginning sketch. Of, yeah, yeah.
1: Coupon the movie, in which they make this movie because they're like, everyone loves coupons. Why wouldn't right. they like a movie about coupons? And the movie bombs. <laughs> right. And the scene is all these executives trying to figure out who greenlit the movie. Right. There was no creative inspiration. It was just people love coupons. They're using the coupon. Why aren't they seeing the movie? And the sketch turns into a court hearing where they have to bring every single American citizen on trial to question them why they didn't go see Coupon the movie. And it ends with the judge decreeing that everyone legally is mandated to go see Coupon the movie. And the trailer at the end has these like pull quotes that are like a required romp, you know, a <laughs> mandatory thrill ride. And, and there, that, there that is, was what they were trying to pull There is a, a perfunctory sort of like predestined um, attitude to a lot of, I think, marketing campaigns and merchandising campaigns for movies, especially Batman versus Superman, where it's like, it doesn't matter whether or not you think this looks good. We know you're going to see it, you yeah. fucking assholes. Yeah. Just go buy the ticket. And I think Royalton, like Warner Brothers, was going like, if we sell it like it's a movie that everyone wants sure. to see confidently, everyone will want to see it. And it didn't work. No. Like, yeah. it, usually this works yeah, but it to some but, degree. Well, I think wh- a lot
3: of people went to go see it first weekend, and then it totally dropped off the next. Yeah, opening
1: so, weekend was small, and then
2: it just got smaller. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh. we'll talk about that in a second. But first, I want to run some things by you guys. Please. Okay. One. Other options for Speed Racer were Joseph Gordon-Levitt
1: and Shia LaBeouf. The other one I heard. What do you think about that? Nope. The other guy I heard got close. (laughs) Not long
3: enough eyelashes. Sorry.
1: (laughs) The other guy I heard got close uh, and was the front runner briefly, but then proved himself too difficult, wanted too much money for, was my boy, uh, Zac Efron. Oh
0: yeah. Efron. He would have been good.
2: Yeah, Ephron would have been good and he was in that pocket mm-hmm. right then. That was yeah. But it
1: was high school musical 2, and he thought he was yeah. hot shit and apparently came in with too many demands. Yeah. Uh, other
2: options for Trixie were Elisha Cuthbert and Kate Mara. But it was gonna be Christina Reach. Was no way it's anyone. not Christina Ricci. Yeah. She's the imagine. only person who could have yeah. been Trixie. And like I mean we we briefly talked about the torture development process, but I mean like, you know, yeah, it was originally optioned by Warner Brothers in ninety two. Johnny Depp was gonna be in it with Henry Rollins as racer X. Mm-hmm. Uh Johnny uh,
3: Depp would have been the weirdest speed race. Like he would Oh yeah. yeah he no, he would've, that would've I been mean horrible. Julian
2: Temple, the like famous British kind of like punk filmmaker who made like the you know, great rock and roll swindle and all those like sex business. Earth Girls are easy. I mean, father of god knows what i'm that looking forward to getting
3: to the one where hype williams was going right. to direct yeah it. Oh.
1: well
2: so just uh, some uh, some other ideas Gus Van sant came in and then he left alfonso <laughs> cuaron came in in the late yeah. 90s and
1: left i know Gondry uh, would have been was developing it at one point
0: yeah
3: was that with, with gondry and cuaron were gonna do it together or what was the deal i, I don't those
0: know those were no. separate versions They're i think separate. that's
1: when joined up was still
2: loosely attached um, Lauren Shuler Donner, who you know is the Warner Brothers like Maven uh, at the time, hires Hype Williams. Uh, that falls through. Vince Vaughn wants to play Racer X, as you say, that falls through, and then in '06 they bring in the Wachowskis. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy how hard they tried to make this movie.
3: How long had it been since Wachowskis had wrapped on? Matrix. I mean, so 06 would have been three years after. Uh, re- it came out. Yeah. Re- so it's probably came out.
2: four plus years since they wrapped yeah. filming.
3: And so that's just when they were doing the, they were doing V for Vendetta. They right. were doing all
2: this. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure why they didn't direct V for Vendetta. I don't know. You know, James McTeague, who's their first AD, directed yeah. it. Uh, but, you know, for some reason, they just sort of creatively oversaw V for Vendetta. And I guess they had their fingers <laughs> in a lot of pies because didn't they produce, like, Another action? I can't remember. I can't get into this. Uh, Ninja Assassin came out Ninja after. Ninja Assassin, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that but, came the, out but there
1: was, because uh, they discovered Rain on they this were and then built a, a vehicle lot of plates. Um, But they also were doing all the sort of like supplemental extended Matrix stuff. So they had the Matrix Online, which was this like MMO sure. yep. that they Matrix were writing. A, you know, I mean, Paul they, Chadwick was the main writer for, it, but they were overseeing that. They shaped that. the story of Matrix Online. Uh, they started their own comic book mm-hmm. uh, imprint. Their own, uh, I, I think they weren't even they, controlled by anyone else, and they had like three original titles going. They were writing comic books. I mean, they were trying to do all these different sort of multimedia mm. things. All right. I want to talk about the box up. Yes, please. Me. This is so, my favorite part. can you give me the five? I think I might be able to nail this one. All right. So, it's the second week of May, 2008, right? Uh, it's May the weekend of May 9th.
2: So, uh, I had just moved to the United States. Wow. Yeah. The first film I saw when I moved here was Smart People with Ellen Page and Dennis Quaid. Who remembers that one?
1: But then, like, Iron Man. Yeah. Okay, so Iron Man's the number one film. It came out the week before. It was a massive, massive success. Yes, and its second weekend, it made $51 million. Right, and it, it crested past hundred million the first weekend, right? Yeah. So it's Do like
3: people just not think that Iron Man was going to be that big of a deal because nobody why thought going to be big. Why deal. would you release Speed Race the same week as it? Like, nobody
2: thought it was going to be big. Yeah. It was starred an uh, unproven, you know, box office draw. A not duty. that RDJ is not the greatest, oh, but not cool. I know that's deal. the only reason yeah. I
3: went to go see it. Though I didn't give a yeah. shit about Iron Man. I wanted to see Rob Downey Jr. It, it was about <laughs> yeah,
2: Marvels. Cooks. It was. You know, <laughs> like, it was about Marvels. What like. 12th most famous superhero. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody knows Iron Man. It,
1: Iron Man, you're just like, oh, that's the guy Ghostface Kill is obsessed with, right?
2: It's like, sort of like a...
1: It was their first one that they were independently financing. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah. They had not been bought by a company yet, so they had gotten, like, a $1 billion loan from Merrill Lynch, and the whole thing was like, if these movies flops, then Merrill Lynch will own Marvel. Yeah. yeah. And it was viewed as this, like, stupid gamble. It was directed by Jon Favreau, who was, you know, had just come off of Zathura. Which we love, but was a massive flop. <laughs>
0: The oh Thorough God. with and then, Dax
1: Shepard and Kristen Stewart. Even when people, and Joss Hutchinson, yep. uh, even when people thought that film was going <laughs> to be big, when like the trailer started getting good response, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be that big. Yeah. And then it was so well-liked that it was like, oh, this is going to hold well second weekend. It's not a film where they royaltoned audiences into showing up. It right. was like people wanted to no, see it No, was, it was a genuine hit. Right, so, so number one with a bullet. Yeah. Number two, I remember, because people were like, okay, i Man's going to be number one. Number Speed two, Racer yeah. might do 30, 40 million dollars. Yeah, yeah. And Iron Man will do, like, 50, 60. Number two, I remember this distinctly, was What Happens in Vegas. Yes, with uh, with the Kutch. Yeah, and Cameron um, Diaz and God. Zach Galifianakis. Yes, open. Link Bell, Rob Corddry. Weird opened cast. Opened to 20 mil. Right. Yep. So that was, like, the big, like, oh, fuck. They couldn't even outgross couldn't, What Happens in Vegas. What Happens in Vegas, which grossed $219 million
2: worldwide. More than double what Speed Racer made that worldwide. Is- Horrible. Does anyone remember
1: anything about that movie? I saw that movie in theaters, No, yeah. but do you remember anything about it? Zach Galifianakis's character, I believe, is named The Bear. Great. Uh Does
3: that th- come out before or after The Hangover?
1: Before. Before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Hangover comes out later this year, or is yeah. it 09? It's, it's, 09. Oh, it's yeah, 09. Yeah, oh. yeah, oh. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in France when it came out. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I'm just trying to place my mind. Emily, where are you when Speed Racer comes out?
3: I am uh, finishing up my last year film school. Nice. Uh, but I did not see it that weekend because I saw Iron Man. Um cool. I didn't see it till later. But I was uh yeah, I uh I mean, I, I mean one of the reasons that this film is is uh is I have a soft spot for it also is that I had just, you know, had a first hand experience trying to make an anime style live action thing. Like very against all advice from any <laughs> teacher that I had. They were like, You should not do this, you do not have enough money to do this. I tried to do it anyway, and so I was, you know, I respected I respected the, the game. effort. The <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I saw it till a couple of weeks later.
1: Okay, so the it's the top three is Iron Man, what happens in Vegas, and then Speed Racer. Yeah, speed speed Racer opens to eighteen point five mil, finishes domestic forty three,
2: which is pretty terrible. Yeah. And internationally makes another fifty million. Yeah, so forty three is disastrous. And it finishes yeah. with ninety three million worldwide. Yeah. Kind of um, crazy.
1: They claim that the merchandising did well enough that they like sort of didn't lose that much money on the That's movie, but I think right. that was spin. They all have money.
2: Yeah, look, like, we all fucking talk about box office, but they're all multi-billion-dollar companies. Like sometimes we just have to. You know, they're all fine. Yeah, and also, it's not like but, Warner
1: Brothers is going to be like, no movies this year, out of money. Also, when their movies do very well, they do like sneaky accounting to make it look yeah. like they, they pretend didn't they, do they, well, they don't. Make so they don't money. have to pay out people. Yeah, okay. I remember when
2: my might... anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: Can you mm-hmm. guess number four? That's what I'm trying to think. So these would have been April holdovers, four or five or April holdovers?
2: Number four is only the second it was number four was released as counter programming to Iron Man. It's only the second week in theaters. I saw it in theaters. It was based on a trend that does not exist. I worked for People magazine at the time when it was announced, and I remember my boss saying, like, hey, can you find some real life examples of this? And I said, I fucking rooted through the Lexus Nexus and found nothing. Uh, You're not going to get it. Is it a horror film? No, it's, yeah. a, it's a romantic comedy.
1: It's a romantic <laughs> comedy based on a trend that doesn't exist. Nope. The yep. lake house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, but that's a good joke. It's a good good, good joke. Thank you. Um, maid of Honor, starring Patrick Dempsey and Michelle Monaghan. Jesus Monahan, Christ. About the male right. ma- ma- Maid of Honor trend. Remember that thing? Where it's like, ah, women are having guys be the Maid of Honor. Yeah, this is a, a real, real
3: hot season for just like, Awful romantic or just comics.
2: gutter trash romantic Yeah, comics. like
3: oh five to like the latter half of that decade. I feel right. like just uh, everything, everything. Katherine Heigl. Well, that's was the that thing I was in, gonna say like... Heigl because
2: it's when Hollywood's scrambling for like who's the at the top of this heap, and they don't, yeah. and they're like, is it Katherine Heigl? Like yeah. they're kind of trying to like, is it
1: this person? <laughs> they were like, they was? were scooping
2: through Grays. <laughs> yeah, they were going Dempsey, nah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Heigl, nah. Hudson.
2: Uh, number kind of- uh, so maid of honor yeah which, It's number
3: four
1: okay, yeah with right. eight million dollars yeah uh, number five give me give me a hint uh it's this uh, is an April hold I
3: thought I thought that you were talking about this trend oh yeah sure this is <laughs> a,
2: this is a real trend this is a real thing yeah this happen. is a real thing it's <laughs> another comedy You're not you wouldn't call it a rom com would you it's more just a com it's a com
0: this is uh, an April holdover yeah
2: it's a two hander
1: it's a two hander so it's an April holdover which beloved means it would a beloved
3: comic duo mm-hmm.
1: if it's still number five it means that. It was probably doing very well in April, right? This was the time. It did okay. It
2: was fine. It did fine.
1: Fine. And it's a beloved comic duo. Yeah, but not a beloved movie. No. But is it a uh, uh, male-female pairing? Female-female. Oh, uh, Baby Mama. Yeah. Thank Tina you. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I like that movie. You hate it. We've talked about uh, this. That movie ends
2: with Tina Fey being like, it's okay. Like, I don't have to get pregnant to have value as a person. And then she's like, I'm pregnant! And the movie ends. <laughs> it's the worst. I still it's like that It's a disgusting movie. movie. No, it's bad. Uh, Steve um, Martin's great now. It's I did, kind
3: of like It's kind of like dating. Like you have to realize that you're fine on your own before you can have a
2: boyfriend. <laughs> oh, I, fa- I finally have achieved true independence. Oh, who's this? <laughs> yeah. Um, I did recently interview Jeff Richmond, who did the music for Baby Mama and does all the music for all of Tina Fey's shows and stuff. And he mm-hmm. wrote all the music for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt,
1: and he was very nice. Did you say anything about Baby Mama?
2: Did not get into that Baby Mama. That is one of those
3: rare comedies that is scored all the way through originally every episode.
2: Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. Richmond, man. I mean,
3: There's not cues.
2: uh, That's the thing. I would say uh, I have this whole grand theory about how every sitcom needs a laugh track even if it doesn't have a laugh track. And I would say that the face face shows the music is the laugh track. For sure. You know, like whereas like The Office or whatever, Modern Family, it's the, uh, you know, the talking heads are the laugh track. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, other movies, Forgetting Sarah Marshall is sticking around. Right. Uh, you've got Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo
1: Bay. The best of the
2: trilogy. Oh, I so strongly disagree with that. Oh, I think I that two, movie is
1: three. terrible. I think that movie is great. Ugh. We'll argue about that some sat. other time. I think that movie is very smart. You've got The Forbidden Kingdom. What's that? Uh, Jet Li oh, versus yeah, right. Jackie Chan right. with Michael Añarano. Uh <laughs> I've never seen it. He's a white boy who gets <laughs> stuck got, in the middle of Monkey Kings y- fighting. Y- you've got Nim's Island. Nim's Island. What's that? Fucking like Jodie Foster. Foster. It's a Jodie Foster joint. Abigail Breslin and Gerard Butler. Holy shit. She plays like a fantasy children's like, writer who then Abigail Breslin ends up in her book. Yeah. Is that she, what happened?
3: Abigail Breslin is like the heroine. I never saw this. This is I like, just like, it's like Inkheart.
2: Like a, it's this weird trend of like, people want just weirdo also, fantasy
3: about also authors. Stranger yeah. Than Fiction. Stranger Than
1: is, Fiction. Keep that movie uh,
3: horrible. So, oh yeah. Uh,
1: I was, Same era. Uh, one of, one of my friends at the time, uh, who was an actor who was a little younger than me, uh, was uh, very close to getting one of the lead roles in Nims Island that then they cast uh, Gerard Butler in. He was like he must have been sixteen at the time, oh my and god. the character was written as a sixteen year old. And then like three hundred came out, and they were like, ah fuck it, Gerard Butler. Oh my and god! And they rewrote the character to make him thirty years older which, like, told me everything I need to know about that movie. It's a
3: fixed rate. They royal it. Yeah.
1: Did you guys see Gods of Egypt? No, I know you would love it. Butler's great in it. Anyway, uh, some of the movies. <laughs> Stop. He's you so good. I'm sorry, dude. Butler rides a fucking, no, doesn't you matter. You can't just casually mention that Gerard Butler is great, great in Gods so of Egypt great. and not be prepared to expound on that. It's just Yeah, no,
3: that's like irresponsible. A, that's ir- that's like leaving a bomb in a room it's, and it's, then like walking dialed out.
1: It's a
2: dialed-in performance. <laughs> he rides a chariot that is uh, pulled by giant beetles. Uh, at one point he kills he kills uh Jeffrey Rush who is Ra, the sun god. But it on sounds his like chariot.
1: You're complimenting his performance on no, no, things that the I, character I know, does. I know,
2: I know. I just like to say those two things. But okay. no, it's I I can't describe. He's just he just understands what the movie is and not everyone in that movie understands what the movie is. I'll see you. He's very funny. I think it's a great performance. I like Gerard Butler, Why? Emily's wincing. I, I don't either.
3: I don't know of all the of all the weird things to go to the mat for. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely like... go to the
2: mat for him. <laughs> He's one of your guys. <laughs> uh, he, yeah. Well, but then I hate like Olympus Has Fallen, which I know you like. I think that movie's awful.
1: Yeah, I like that movie maybe because of its awfulness. Yeah. Like I uh, like uh, how misanthropic that film yeah. is.
2: Uh, some other movies. Uh, Prom Night was that like a remake of an old that- horror movie? Yes. Prom
3: Night had Scott Porter in it. Hey! Yep. Interesting. Yeah,
2: uh, he, bet- had two,
3: he had two openings. Uh, good for him. did that come out that week?
2: No, Prom Night's been lingering for five weeks on oh, the, yeah, uh, so okay. it was an April release. Uh, you've got Red Belt, uh, the David Mamet martial arts, uh, underground Chiwetel-Eji of a Four.
1: A film I like a lot. I've that. never
2: seen it. Uh, Tim Allen's very good in that movie.
1: We're saying a lot of things right now. You've got 21, the card-counting movie that turned all the uh, Asian people into white people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Starring uh, one of the leads of next week's uh, subject. Jim Sturgis. yeah. Yeah, Cloud Atlas. Uh, you've got The Visitor. You've got, uh, yeah, well, you know. The Visitor,
3: the Richard figured. Jenkins movie? Yeah. Uh, 2008, bad, bad year.
2: I think 2008 is a, is a pretty junky year.
3: 2007 was so phenomenal, I feel yeah. like we had to take a breather after that. Mm-hmm.
1: But later this summer, we had a lot of huge films. I mean, not great films, but, like, big box office. I mean, uh, Indiana Jones comes out. Yeah. A couple weeks later, then you had Kung Fu Panda and Wally were both Wall-E huge. Wally was big. Wally's a masterpiece. And of course, you got the Dark Knight that year, right? Right. Right. right which is that. one of the biggest oh, films yeah. of all time.
3: So it was a big year for like franchise studio films because you have have Iron Man in two, too, mm-hmm, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think for film, film, I don't know. I just I don't remember anything. Yeah, you've got Rachel getting married. Is yeah, you've got yeah. Milk. Syn- you've syn- got Sin Lots of downers. Sin to key City. of
2: You got Wally, which you love. Yeah. You know, let the right one in. Cadillac Records, which I think is an underrated. I agree. Yeah. Uh,
1: Cloverfield, Um, right at the start of the year. One of my favorite films that year. Best picture that year oh, is really some, some fun movies. shitty yeah. though. Best picture that year is like Slumdog. The Reader, Slumdog, Milk uh, Which is Great. Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. Frost Nixon. Ooh. Oh, right. Oh, that's Ooh. putrid. And that's the year where the Academy is like, uh, let's have ten nominees. That's why yeah. they added, because yeah, everyone yeah, was, like was like yeah, that was the first ten years Dark Knight, months. Wally, Gran Torino. There were like five movies that were like big commercial successes. Right. That that didn't make it. That didn't make the cut. And then they like five movies that no one really gave a shit about.
3: Was that the year though? Was that the Catherine Bigelow? No, that's no, that's here? following that's the year, year after. That's oh nine. because yeah, that's yeah, versus yeah.
2: Avatar. That's versus Avatar. Oh no, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm
3: sc- I'm I'm missing that because I, I remember where I was when I watched that Oscars, and I was with like people that I went to film school with. and... All these girls who were like hugging each other
2: because it was very it was a good oh because B- Bigelow took Big the stage. One? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, three of them, terrible uh, prestige movies in '08 are *Doubt*, *The Reader*, and *Revolutionary Road*. I just they're oof. right at the bottom of my two three movies that really made my. Skin I think crawl.
1: *Doubt*. Eh, I think the other two I despise. I despise *Doubt* almost as much as the other two, but I do despise the other two more. So. I like the performances in doubt enough that it carries it for me, but the I movie I just felt whatever.
3: I feel like that's like a genre of movie, like superhero movies, that I just don't see, like like Kate Winslet movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think the last movie like that I saw was probably Little Children, and it was so upsetting to me.
1: Uh, see, I used I, to love her so much, and I sort like of, her, but that was sort of a fulcrum year. Like I felt like before 2008, she wasn't as much of a genre. Mm-hmm. Like now, when I see Kate Winslet movies, I'm like, I don't why are, I don't want this movie to exist. Yeah. And before that, she was just in movies. Sure. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. It's we, a I, think, I think we did well, guys.
3: Yeah, there's a lot to talk about in this movie. I um, mean, I just, I just want to like, I, I, I mean, everybody just needs to like, if you haven't seen this movie and you're wondering whether or not you should see it, I know that this was like a very hyped up podcast. And we were very, very like, we were. The energy in this room right. was high.
2: We really wanted really to just excited. get a lot of our yes. like really, really positive, sincere I, feelings. I don't out.
3: want people to go straight from this podcast and go watch it and then be like, wait, what the fuck? This is like really like this parts is, of this are, are incredibly boring and indecisive. Right. This movie
2: is two hours and 15 it's minutes long, it's really long, long. Which is little,
3: and too it's crazy. about race fixing. <laughs> yes. It's all and it's about race fixing in depth, yeah. And yeah.
2: the plot, especially in the middle there, which I was like with, with the race fixing and the inspector yeah. and all that, you know, and doesn't then, make it. The Togo-Con
3: and the whole, right. like, how, yeah, they team up to, like, race directs. And then
2: they double-cross each other. Yeah, it's
3: like they win the race, but then it turns out they were just trying, like, he was he had been racing for Togo-Con, and it was just like... Uh. Uh, but, it but, doesn't
2: I matter. Mean, but
3: the important thing, and I, I, I realized this, and I was writing this down when I was running on the train here, is that, uh so all these corrupt things and forces are happening. In a lot of films, there would be a beat of the film where Speed Racer gets corrupted. And sure, he like right. gives in and, and he tastes he the forbidden fruit and then he has to like, he has, back, yeah, right. never happens. Mm-hmm.
1: no he's a Speed racer line.
3: is never corrupted in yeah. this yeah. film. He, the closest he comes to being corrupted is unwittingly participating in a race that was fixed for Togo Khan when he was racing with the two other guys. Like that is the, cl- uh, but that was, he was, he didn't know. He had no idea. Yeah, and he was right. so mad about it afterwards. You he was so thi- mad.
2: Yeah. In a more traditional Hollywood thing, he would sign on to Royalton yes. at the beginning of the second act and then. It would take longer, but he would realize, like, oh, this is all corrupt, and then he'd break free, and, like, his indie, like, it'd be like Talladega Nights, another great racing movie.
1: An- another subversion that this film doesn't do, and I know we usually go through the plot narrative order, but I also think for a movie like this, that it's is really everything hard. at the same time, it's better just to talk about everything yeah. at the same time. Yeah, this time. is a four-dimensional movie. Yeah, really, truly. Um, uh, but the um, uh, the Racer X subplot is that, you know, he was Speed Racer's brother, that he saw what was the going corruption on going on. He, he walked, faked his own death. Right. Yes. B- but before that, he walks away and pops racer says to him, like, if you walk out that door, you're never coming back into this house. Mm-hmm. And it, it sort of was the tragedy that like broke this family. And there was the moment where you realize, Oh, speed racers gotten pushed to the same point. You mm-hmm. know, he wins the race. He helps rain. Rain turns out to be part of the system. He's like, this whole thing's fucked. I didn't qualify. No one is pure in this thing. I can't do it anymore. And he's so burnt out on the sport that you recreate the yeah. same scene where he's saying goodbye to Spritel and, you know, walking yeah. out the door and Pops is there and you're like, this is going to be the same scene again. And one of the three moments in this film that, like, brings me very close to tears, if not actual tears, is the speech that John Goodman gives where he's like, I know you're going to walk out that door and there's nothing I can do about it, but before you walk out, can you just sit down and have a word with your old man for a second? Oh. And he gives him this speech that's like, I made this mistake and I'm not going to make it again. You're going to do what you have to do. But I want you to know that this door is always open. Like, I want you to know there's nothing you can do that will stop me from loving you, essentially. And that's another scene where you feel like it would be repeating the same thing and having Pops yell at him. Yeah,
3: he has to learn the same lesson that the the one who came before him learned.
1: No, but he's learned his lesson. Yeah. And the moment in this film that hits me the hardest emotionally isn't even Speed winning the race. Mm -hmm. It's the moment when like he's he's doing it right i mean mm-hmm. there's also that beautiful moment where the car slows down and the the, the, the engine car- gets blown out
3: well, the, the end oh, of it yeah, where right. it ends on its nose. When the car oh, skits, God. says end yeah. on its nose. That's, I feel like, when you start laughing in the theater because you're like, what am I watching? It's also, What is happening? <laughs> it's a Hot
1: Wheels moment. Like, yeah, if you yeah, were yeah. doing yeah, a Hot right. Wheels race with your friends, why wouldn't you have the car yeah. do that? But there's the moment where, like, the engine blows out and he's stuck on the side after oh, yeah. he's, like, oh, taken oh, yeah. out and John guy. Goodman's
2: like, oh, this happened. He's going to need to remember to do this to, like, well, restart his
1: car. No, go ahead. And Sarandon's like, will he know to do that? Yeah. What, Emily?
3: It's just that part is one of the only parts I roll my eyes at. Okay. Because it's so use the
0: force Luke. But. Sure. Right. Sure. Right. He has to very listen to call. the car. Yeah. It's very good use the yes. force Luke. Yeah.
1: Um, but, but the moment in the race, he's like taking these guys up one by one. He's making good time. All of this shit's happening. Uh, The moment that gets me is the moment when Spritel stands up and he sort of has the Spielberg shot. You know, the yes. wide open, the high angle. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he's going to do it. Right. And I just get shivers even repeating it. Yeah. And uh, Film Crit Hulk, a writer I like a lot, it, it considers Speed Racer one of his favorite films of all time. He's written two pieces on it that you can find on Birth Movies Death uh, that I highly recommend reading. Um, but he, I just think he writes it very succinctly, so I want to read this thing uh, that he wrote. Oh, uh, what, uh, yeah, whatever. No, <laughs> yeah. he's fine. Um, but he's talking about how there's a friend who doesn't like Speed Racer, who he's arguing with about it, and saying, like, look, they're, obviously the scene is boring if they had to in post edit it with all the flashbacks to the stuff earlier from the race yeah. which is a total misinterpretation of it rather than that being like baked into the pie like part of the writing you know from the get go and Hulk's point Hulk's point uh, this is a guy who writes anonymously as the Hulk doing film reviews <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's David great. doesn't like him as much as I do mm, yeah, I love uh, it when people write in all caps yeah uh, he's, he's the baby mama of people in, in our eyes <laughs> Wait, I don't get it. I like it. And oh, you think like it's a testable?
2: Mom, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No disrespect to film critic Hulk, but uh, I think he's. Make him
3: the, the, the Har- Harold and Kumar. He's the Harold and Kumar guy <laughs> yeah, going the to go on
1: yeah, Bay There we go. People. I think he's very smart, and you think it's ugly. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the point this guy's making is that like t- to have that happen cuts the tension of the scene. Mm. And uh, he says, like, he'd argue the tension is even the goal of the scene. The second Speed slams on the gas pedal, his younger sibling literally tells us he's going to do it. It's all a foregone conclusion. Instead, the scene becomes a visual representation of the artist's catharsis. And in that process, the film finally subverts and recontextualizes the somewhat gross idea that some people are born artists. The guy's literal name is Speed Racer. (laughs) By highlighting how every choice you make along your life brings you into a place, a moment where you're finally able to do what you've wanted where you're finally ready to create. As such, we see how much of this moment of racing is really about the people around him. These are his collaborators, his family, the community of people uh, that enable him to do his very best. He's not alone. He's anything but alone. So unlike every sports movie ever, he's not proving people wrong. He's proving people right. Great. Which I think is a cool point. Because most movies, it's like, are they going to pull it out at the last minute? Yeah. Uh-huh. And this moment's about the catharsis of everyone else around him realizing he's going to do it. This is the moment. This is his life. And for the final chunk of the race, when you're flashing back to all these moments, it's not, there is no tension because that's not what they're going yeah. for. They're going for the emotional release of, like, everyone has been putting all their yeah. hopes and dreams onto speed.
3: It's not a film about an underdog who nobody believes in. It's mm-hmm. a, a film about a, a, a proven winner that needs to
1: prove that it wasn't a fluke. That he's winning the right way.
2: Yeah.
1: I think we said it better than Film Crit Hulk. Yeah,
3: Sorry. But, I mean, was a, <laughs>
1: Sorry about it. It was an alley-oop. No, 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 yeah, sure. Alley-ooped his ball in the air so we could dunk it. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see what people like, what, what people, tell, what feedback you get from this film. Because yeah, me I too. think, uh, you know, I, I think we're, it's interesting that we're all so high on it, but I think like maybe some people might
2: not be. But... No, and I think <coughs> it's a tough sell. And a lot of people don't like I it. I think yeah. what you said about like, if you do want to watch the movie, do try to see it in the best quality possible because yeah. it really does all hinge I on that. If you Unless yeah.
3: you have the most amazing internet connection in your house, I would not recommend streaming.
2: Yeah, like, don't watch this on a MacBook Air or, what yeah. you know, like, you know, try try to, if you, if you, you know, and like, don't rush to see it if you can't. Like, you know, yeah. it's a fun movie to experience whenever you kind of have the time.
1: And I'll throw out, because uh, I, I rented it off of Amazon, which was a mistake. I streamed it on my TV, so it was pretty high res. JD coming back in for the very end of the episode. <laughs> Um, but when I was looking on Amazon at the options, mm-hmm. renting an HD on Amazon is like four dollars. Mm-hmm. The Blu-ray I think is like five dollars and eighty-six cents right now. Sure, so brand yeah. new. Go get, so go yeah, get it. if you have five dollars, plunk it down. And watch on Prime. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. Yeah. yeah, you
4: guys. I've been on the phone for.
2: A long
1: time,
4: an hour and a half,
2: maybe. Yeah, we got to yeah. wrap up, and we, you guys are
4: still going. Well,
1: okay, well, so we're, final we're, thoughts, J.D.? <laughs> we're done. I think we've said everything. We're done, yeah.
2: Emily. Do you have anything else to say? Anything to plug? Anything to? Uh, no, no shout
3: I don't. Out? I don't have anything to plug. I would just. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm much more. I will say, as a listener of the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm much more into the Wachowski land than I am. In, like, I into I, I, Shyamalan into land. Shyamalan, I, so I, I think, I'm like, we, are, to, yeah, I think and, we are too. And and even having, I never had seen Revolutions, and I watched it this weekend. Mm- Hated it, but I still find it more interesting to talk about than Shaman. But that's me. I I mean, I like these weirdo geeks that like are so so specific and passionate about what they do. Like it's always more fun to talk about somebody like that.
1: Yes. So,
2: well, thank you for being on the podcast, Emily. It was so great to have you back.
1: Uh, People can find you writing on the verge.
3: Yeah, I write on the verge sometimes.
1: Anything else you want to plug?
3: I have a podcast called Verge ESP that is up, up also on the Verge Great Podcast. Uh it's been taken some time off because of many, many uh, external factors, but we're back this week. Um or I don't know when this is going out, but we will be back.
2: This will go out sometime in the middle of May. I can't do dates anymore.
1: Yeah, we're recording a bunch of Griffin's episodes about in to go make I'm the pick gonna be a superhero. Yep. Uh yeah. Anyway, by the time you listen to this, I'll probably already be done. But mm-hmm. we're having to record this in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, JD, uh, the Chris Gethard show. Before you give your final thoughts on getting your plugs in, everybody watch the TCGS? Chris Gethard show, currently on Fusion.
4: Uh, we're having the best season we've ever had. I it, agree. with It that. really is terrific, and you guys uh, are in a in a groove. Like wait after to see. Season. Wait to see these final episodes. This mm-hmm. will
1: be dropping around the around time, of the, time finale, of the finale. So yeah,
4: the finale is gonna be great. Tune in
1: uh, on Fusion, but also all uh, episodes available on YouTube.
4: Yeah. I Cop Show starring Griffin Newman.
2: Oh, oh Cop yeah. Show's the best. Yeah. Have you ever seen Cop Show? Emily
1: no, I have no, she- not. Yep. Uh, okay,
4: J.D., I, don't know. I just want to say I echo everything Emily said. Uh, all of her thoughts have been exactly. <laughs> the, <laughs> I've been sitting here quietly just listening, nodding. Is <laughs> well, it's because I'm shouting
3: her. so loudly. You can hear it through the door. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
4: but guys, give it a chance. Listen, yeah. here's the thing about filmmakers, artists that you like. They don't change. They don't get worse. They just get weirder opportunities and things get messed up in their life. The Wachowskis are still great. Their brains are still the same brains that were there from the beginning. It's very true. Don't doubt it just because money and politics and the industry gets involved. Um, maybe maybe they stray from their path, but they're still they're still the geniuses you once loved. So give it a chance. Give all of them a chance. Watch Speed Racer. Watch whatever weird. New thing they come out with next that will be five years ahead of its time that mm-hmm. you won't totally love, but then looking back you'll be like, "Whoa, that
2: was like unlike unlike anything else I saw."
4: Exactly. Yeah, come on, I guys. I really
2: struggled with saying that sentence, which is
1: hot. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> it's very hot. <sighs> give
2: everyone a chance. Give give Wachowski's a chance, guys. JD, I,
1: thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for dropping by.
1: Uh, I hope those phone calls went well. They did. Uh, I I quote your uh, your line a lot that you said on this podcast. You say you a do. Lot in life too that you believe that all films are about their filmmakers. Yes. And I think, you know, people were thrown off when this film came out because it was so different than The Matrix. But if you really look at it, there's a very clear line between the people who made both of these films. Oh, yeah. And if you're angry that's not like The Matrix, maybe you need to take another look at The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And and realize what the actual through lines are between these things. Um. Well, thank you both for being here. Yep. Uh. Two, two of our, our favorite Two of our favorite people. Favorite, favorite, favorite. Can
3: we shout out Ben, who's like... Like, yeah, unwell. Ben
1: well, is throat. sick
2: with strep throat, so he is in the booth, but he's. Oh, I didn't silenced.
3: realize he had strep. Otherwise, yeah. I would have kept like added another two feet of
2: Oh yeah, right. we're, we're keeping uh, a, we're playing, a wide berth.
3: He
1: ben. can't be on the mic today. Uh He's quarantined because I can't get sick because yep. I gotta I gotta wear a suit. Yep. Um,
4: but- <laughs> I can't wait to come back uh to do the episode about Barry Levinson's toys with all of you guys.
2: Oh man, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's that's we're mapping that out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> As uh, if that
4: is something that will ever occur.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Barry Levinson miniseries. We're going to do it, man. His Baltimore trilogy. We're going <laughs> to dig into Levinson. Toys might be a one. I don't I'll, know if I'll, the other films
3: I'll are. I'll just be back for can- when you guys get the camera. Oh, yeah. I, yes. I have specifically requested Titanic oh, yeah. many, many times. Oh, not Ghost of the Abyss? <laughs> <laughs> you don't wanna
4: dive into that <laughs> abyss with us? But he's a blank check to pay well, wait, wait, wait. Look, Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. that's for it that's, right, that. yeah, that's a
3: different one. It's, it's a different issue different set one. of
2: issues. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of things in the future.
1: Thank you both for being here. Yeah. Uh thanks to all you out there in Listener Land for listening. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Listener Land. Uh, you, Thank you, Blankies. blankies. Subscribe and rate and review. Emily, and all that who show. coined blankies? I did coin blankies. Yep. I will take credit for that. Totally. Uh, Thank blankies. you, Blankies. Thank you, Blankies, uh Hogs, uh David Dogs, Griffheads. I need to pee so bad. David needs to go. As always. And as always, uh, get well, Ben. Mm. A.K.A. Producer Ben, A.K.A. producer <laughs> Ben, A.K.A. the Ben Deucer, A.K.A. the Poet Laureate, A.K.A. the Haas, A.K.A. Mr. Positive, A.K.A. Birthday Benny, A.K.A. the tiger We are breaker, taking off the headphones. Uh, A.K.A. the Fuckmaster. Kn- he is not Professor Crispy. He is Ben Night Shyamalan. Ben Night Shyamalan. He is uh, old, I mean, old uh, Ben Kenobi. He is Kylo Ben. And uh, he, he told me that he cried at the end of Speed Racer. You just want to
3: get one.